Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another week of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Loy. And I'm joined by Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy here this afternoon. We have a lot to talk about today in the world of Auburn athletics as it was a very productive weekend again on the ball fields as Auburn baseball with a triumphant series against number one LSU the first time all year long. LSU had lost an SEC series as Auburn baseball continues their role. And Auburn softball with another series win against Mississippi State, securing the third seed in the SEC tournament. We'll talk to you about how those two series played out this weekend. We also have some updated transfer portal news in both football and in basketball. A wide receiver on the way to the Plains for the football program. A stalwart in the Auburn basketball program on the way out of the basketball program today. And so a lot of news to talk about. We'll recap the weekend in sports. Of course, we'll take all your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And, of course, we will have birthdays in sports, nightly TV guide, and a best and worst of the weekend a little bit later on. Ryan, Tom, and Brant with you here to open up the week. We'll start with you, Tom. Hope you had a good weekend, sir. Yeah. I think I need a mic. You're on. Do I have a mic? Oh, you're, you're on. on. You're, you're on. Just I sound, hear you. Okay. <laughs> Sounds weird. Um, in my headphones, anyway. But, uh, no, yeah, a great weekend. And, uh, man, what a weekend for Auburn. How about them Auburn Tigers? Uh, I, I didn't see that coming. I, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. I did not see that coming, and especially after the first game, three nothing. I, I kind of took a moral victory from that. It's like, man, they only beat Auburn three to nothing, and you know Auburn still looked pretty good in that. You just couldn't get the hits going against really probably the best pitcher in college baseball right now. And so I was just got a moral victory there. You know, all right, well at least they didn't just completely demolish Auburn, man. For the Tigers to bounce back and get the, the next two victories over LSU, incredible. Uh, I was out of town and up in Boaz, so I didn't go to any of the games, but it hurt. I heard it uh, sounded like it was an amazing atmosphere out there. It sounded like it was kind of a contentious atmosphere out there with some fights breaking up between Auburn fans <laughs> and LSU fans. And uh, Are, are we going to have Kevin on with us? Did you say that? Is Kevin? I did not it? say that, but yes, we will have him on at 4 o'clock, yes. I, I have some questions to ask Kevin. Um I know Kevin was not involved in any of that. I just know him and his group. If anything, they would be peacemakers in all of that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was an incredible atmosphere. And then, of course, uh, Auburn softball gets another series win. Uh, the transfer portal news still going hot and heavy. Uh, new news today is uh, involving basketball. And, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff to get into. 
Absolutely. And then Brant Daughtry also on the show. Brant, how was your weekend, sir? My, my weekend was great, both of them from the perspective of the batted ball sports and uh, personally. My family was in town for the for the weekend, uh, going to a wedding, uh, select members of my family. So I fired up the grill for the first time in a while, grilled some steaks. That was a, a, a really good time. Had a a nice meal with uh, certain members of my family, and that was a you know had had a lot of fun on on Saturday, doing that. Uh, from the perspective of softball, locked up at least a four seed with a series win over uh, Mississippi State, and then uh, ended up climbing as high as three with uh, some other results that came in later in the day. So they're the third seed in the SEC tournament, and that's a, a lot higher than they were projected to finish. I think they were projected to finish ninth at the beginning of the season, something like that, and they end up in third and. Uh, we were asking questions of Mickey Dean and this Auburn softball team towards the the start of conference play, I think. But since conference play has started, they've really turned it on. Maddie Penta with another Sunday start and another masterpiece. What what more can be said about her that hasn't been said already? She's been incredible all season long. She's been incredible uh, for the past three years now. And she's going to hopefully get at least one more season of being incredible after this one's done. But uh, this is a, an Auburn softball team that is really hot right now. Uh, and they're playing very, very well. On the baseball side of things, I tweeted about this, but I know a lot of people listening to this don't have Twitter, so I'll say it here. I kind of wrote off this Auburn baseball team a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think I think it was the Alabama series loss that really did it for me. It was just, well, this is a lost year. And, and, and then the Joseph Gonzalez news came out at about the same time. He's not going to be able to pitch at all during the, regular, during the rest of the regular season. I was going, all right, this is just – it's all a mess – kind of shut it down, regroup, come back stronger next year. I, I don't think this is indicative of anything that's going to happen in the future. It's just some some bad luck and some bad timing, and you've gone cold in, in all the wrong places. But suddenly, Auburn baseball has taken four out of six from the top two teams in the country. That's incredible. And run-ruled LSU in, this, in, the, in the rubber match. L, number one in the country, LSU, beat them 12-2 to two in eight innings. That's – I don't know, man. This, this is – all of a sudden, Auburn baseball has life, and it's been a lot of fun to keep track of. And uh, you know, Butch Thompson's been great for so for for a while now, and hopefully that can continue. I, and all of a sudden, we've gone from hey, Auburn baseball may not make the postseason to boy, they've got kind of an outside look at hosting a regional. There's still still a little bit of a ways off, but it's it's possible now. All of a sudden. Yeah, I, I've still got the stat written down right here when we were talking about how bad this Auburn baseball team was playing at the time. Three of their uh, three of their past eleven uh, to that. Ex- uh, I think it was through that Alabama series. They had gone three of their three for their last eleven. Yeah, and, and we were like, this this team is just not getting it done. They they don't have the pitching. They don't have the hitting. The injuries are bad. There's just yeah, everything's bad. They just need to chalk this one up as a bad year. And then all, yeah, all of a sudden. Man, you talk about getting hot at the right time. They they really have. The biggest thing is they got to stay hot because um, those next series coming up are sweepable series, not yeah. just winnable series, yeah. but sweepable series for the for the level that they're playing at right now. They just don't need to fall off. I mean, what they've done in these last series, last three series, but especially what they've done at South Carolina and then what they did against number one LSU here at home it is so so impressive. You can't fall back now. You, you're you're playing teams that you're just better than right now, and you've got to be able to take care of business on that, and don't take those steps backwards. Yeah, Auburn with the series wins against South Carolina and against LSU has propelled them to 11 and 13 in the SEC. We've talked about that magic round 13 win number just to make the tournament, and 
looks like they will absolutely get there and, and surpass that. They were coming into those two series seven and eleven in the in the league, and and you figure that they would at least lose the LSU and South Carolina series, uh, maybe even get swept in one of them, and then you could have been talking about something around eight and sixteen in the league or nine and fifteen in the league with two series to go. Instead, Auburn in ele- at eleven and thirteen, they're kind of in a jumbled mess. Uh, in the standing still because Texas A&M and Alabama had good weekends too. Right. Alabama won two out of three against Vanderbilt, uh, who was another top team in the country. So Auburn, Alabama, and A&M are all 11 and 13 in the league with Tennessee at 12 and 12 and Georgia at 10 and 14. So there's a lot of ways that Auburn could still shake out uh, in four or five different positions here. But with an RPI now in the top 30, which is at, I think, 28 to be exact, uh, I still think they'd have to do serious damage to get in any sort of host potential. But they are now more of a two-seed than a three-seed in the NCAA tournament when, again, they would have been considered first five out just a couple weeks ago, according to D1 Baseball. So uh, the renaissance has been there. And, guys, really, I I mean, I know that Cooper McMurray is a guy that we can zero in on as a a bat that has improved dramatically uh, throughout SEC play. Ben, I I think that they show the stat was like the third most homers or fifth most homers in SEC play amongst SEC hitters. But really, guys, to me, it's been the pitching that has just not all of a sudden become world beaters, but they kind of understand the expectations now. Joseph Gonzalez is not going to play for them. They've gotten good work from Tommy Bell, from Christian Herberholtz. They know that Will Cannon is going to pitch in a high-leverage situation. That They know kind of how they're op- going to operate. And we talked about some of the gaudy numbers that LSU had coming into play with some of their bats. Dylan Cruz, if it's not that starting pitcher, Dylan Cruz might be the number one overall pick in the draft. He was hitting almost 500 coming into into play. You have, obviously, Tommy White, who everyone had talked about with all the power. They had two other players with double-digit home runs, and yet Auburn was able to hold LSU down really just about all weekend when it comes to the bats. There was not too many moments where the pitching staff got away from Auburn. No, and and the thing is we've seen it get away from Auburn's pitching staff so many times this year that uh, I think that's where so many Auburn fans were holding their breath with when those games were getting close because you're like at any moment (laughs) at at any moment now we're going to see that Auburn bullpen rear its ugly head and you know either. South Carolina series or in this LSU series this past weekend put up a, a crooked number there in an inning on them but it never happened and, and now you know on Friday three to nothing sure Auburn lost three to nothing you held LSU to just three runs and, and you had the chances you just could not get to uh Paul Skeens I mean who is nobody does I mean it, that is a, a major league ready pitcher just about so okay the next day on Saturday what it struck out 14 total I think I saw and then I don't know how many they struck out Sunday. Um, and, and so, yeah, just and, and it wasn't just one guy. It was multiple guys coming in there and taking care of business against an incredible lineup that is just like, you know, we've, we've talked about LSU before, how they are tailor-made for the World Series run because, uh, as Case and Howell put it to me uh, back last year, is that they were putting an all-star team together because of the Mariucci Bat Company and how much NIL they're able to pay some of these players to either stay at LSU or to come to LSU, that they're putting an all-star cast together. And so they have built a roster that is supposed to be a College World Series-ready roster, and Auburn took it apart. 
I mean, that the Auburn pitching just flat took them apart uh, inside Plainsman Park, and uh, it's, it was an impressive thing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. With the combined weekend having 11 runs for LSU, again, that, that if you would have told me they gave up 11 runs and, and a single game, I would have absolutely believe you. Well, they gave up 11 sure. for the weekend. Uh, it was 14 strikeouts, as you said, on Saturday. Tom, it was uh, seven strikeouts and eight innings uh, for Auburn on Sunday. But again, Christian Herberholz has been uh, pitching quietly very well there in the uh, the second kind of rotation spot. And as you said, even the game they lost was one of the rare occasions where the bats didn't show up, although you forgive them for who they were facing. Auburn did strike out 18 times on Friday night. It might have been a uh, concerning yeah. topic heading into the, the Saturday and Sunday games, but of course they uh, got the bats back going in big ways over the weekend. Uh, but now this team has a – it's clear this team's improving. It's clear that this team has a sense of direction now. And they've got momentum. Now, it's baseball, right? And so you can't assume that this is just going to be the team the rest of the year. They're just going to be world beaters. You certainly favor them heavily in Ole Miss and Missouri series. You you think that maybe the Missouri series at home is sweepable. I would think that at Ole Miss, you know, obviously if Auburn plays the way they play the last two weekends, yes, it's sweepable. I think in a vacuum – it is not something you should expect to go right. into and sweep, especially. I don't know if you saw that kid for Ole Miss hit four home runs yesterday. Yeah. They scored. They won a twenty to fourteen game yeah. against and, Missouri the and, other day. And for some reason, Auburn crazy things seem to happen to Auburn baseball in Oxford. There, there have been some bizarre happenings in Oxford. So yeah, I agree. It, it's one that you could de- definitely win the series. Yes, sweeping. It's like man, you're asking a lot right there. Sure, uh, but uh, so also just with the the. the subject matter of okay you you can't if you're auburn you can't get let down because you're now no longer playing the absolute best competition in the country like there is no better sequence in the regular season than playing number two or number three south carolina and then playing number one lsu playing these the 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 bottom teams in the league are not going to feel exactly as as energized as say the ballpark was last weekend but Clear that this team has momentum for the first time this year. Clear that this team is playing, playing its best baseball of the season. Uh, and it has certainly been a lot of fun to watch. We'll talk with Kevin Ives about it coming up at 4 o'clock uh, as he had a great vantage point for everything over the weekend. We're going to take our first time out of the show. Coming up a lot more on the transfer portal with Auburn basketball and Auburn football. Also, we'll take a trip to our Auburn Bank phone line. Stay tuned. A lot more sports call coming up after this. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy today. We just talked a little Auburn baseball. Before we go to the Auburn phone line, I want to talk a little Auburn basketball. We will have football news a little bit later. 
Uh, but the basketball news is a little bit more recent, so we'll go to it next. So today, officially, Alan Flanagan hits the transfer portal. This has been something that we had discussed many a time, and I think the consensus was it would be very understandable if he left. Left, But as time went on, we were just kind of a little bit unsure on uh, if there would be a factor that would get him to stay, but ultimately he will hit the portal. Auburn, unfortunately, tied to this which is a, a little bit uh, disappointing, to be to be quite frank. They have now missed, uh, kind of coinciding with this decision, they've missed on a couple of their top remaining targets, both at that position. Yesterday, Matthew Cleveland chose Miami over Auburn and Missouri. Of course, he was at Florida State, so the people of Florida will have fun with that one. Uh, but also today, just a matter of moments ago, uh, Jalen Tyson, that Texas Tech transfer, the freshman that I was starting to get really high on, shot a great percentage, might come over with Corey Williams or that, that dynamic, just transferred to Cal. Uh, so Auburn misses on a couple of wing options right there. So now that begs the question, are they a wing short uh, at this point? Right. And uh, very well might be. So uh, what do you make of the Allen Flanagan decision? And then also uh, what uh, a couple of misses now in the portal for Auburn? Well, so I don't think the Alan Flanagan decision is a very big surprise to anybody. I, I think most people were thinking and leaning towards that just being a matter of of when, a uh, matter of when, and not if. Uh, especially with his dad leaving to take the, a job at Ole Miss, um, it, yeah, it just, just kind of felt like that was inevitable. Uh, I would have been surprised, as I think a lot of people would have been surprised, if he actually was back uh, for the, another season. So that is not surprising now. Missing on some of these recruits is bothersome um, because you you sit there and look at the program that you've built and you feel like, you know, with the Bruce Pearl and the name that he has and the program that he's built, the success that he's had sending guys to the NBA and things like that, that you would be able to get more of some of these guys. Um, yeah, I think everybody was high on Matthew Cleveland. They really thought that he was going to be coming here. It seemed like a lot of signs pointed to that. And I don't know what happened because I have not heard any chatter about him lately at all. So I don't know if the coaching staff cooled off on him or if they just – it was kind of a bad feeling between them. I, I don't know, but it seemed like things had cooled there, and I don't know why. Uh, the kid from Texas Tech, I don't know about that one. I hadn't heard. But, it, just, it yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It bothers me that they're missing on some of these guys. Uh, and especially when you look at – somewhere like at Arkansas, what they were doing in the transfer portal. And, they, I mean, it's just like mind-blowing what they're able to do at Arkansas in the transfer portal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Bruce Pearl, that, that I think they're, they're missing. I think they're striking out on some guys. And uh, I'd like to see that improve. Yeah, you know, bringing in Chaney Johnson, we all agreed that was kind of a depth piece, right? That was not the – he was not the plan to start at three. He was supposed to come off the bench at three. I think if Alan Flanagan had remained – he would have played behind Alan Flanagan, uh, and you know he and Chris Moore would kind of split those minutes at the backup wing spot. There's one more name. There's Tyron Lawrence, the kid who's transferring from Vanderbilt. He got an invitation to a G League tryout, I think, um, and he's considering that option as well. Um, if he does not come, if he does not go to the G League, it looks like right now his op- his options are Auburn, the G League, and going back to Vanderbilt. Uh, and, and honestly, right now. Nobody really knows what he's going to do. It all depends on how that G League tryout goes. Uh, the word is if he doesn't go to the G League, he'll come to Auburn. But, again, it is somewhat concerning that you have not landed either of those guys. And, again, it, it, 
some of the the chatter, if you choose to believe such things, is that Auburn kind of cooled off on Matthew Cleveland because they thought they were going to get somebody else, and then the other guy went somewhere else. But you know, you start getting into the weeds of recruiting rumors, and it's it's hard to parse what's real and what's not. Uh, but the fact is, Auburn needs another three, and it looks like Tyron Lawrence is going to be the last guy in the portal who's really a viable option. So you better hope that that kid decides not to go to the G League and wants to come back to college for another year, and then he decides to go to Auburn instead of going back to Vanderbilt. Uh, otherwise, it looks like Chaney Johnson's probably going to be your starter at the three, him or Chris Moore. Uh, and, and while I think those guys are valuable players, I think they can contribute in certain roles. I don't know if they're good enough to be starting quality players in the SEC. So you better hope that either something else comes along or you land Tyron Lawrence, or or you might just you might just have a hole in your roster at that at the three spot, which the rest of your roster looks to figure out pretty good, but you know you, you don't want any holes. You right. don't want any holes. Well, and uh, two, I would even say with Tyron Lawrence, I don't think that that's necessarily unless you're going to play a really small lineup. He's more of a guard. He's six four, uh, and those other guys, Cleveland, were six seven, six eight. Tyson and Cleveland were so or Tyson might have been six six, but he averaged like seven rebounds a game at Tech last year. And then Cleveland was a little bit bigger. So even in that sense, it feels like more of a uh, of a guard pickup if they do get Lawrence, which they now feel pretty deep at guard. Uh, I, I know that they still need to make sure that Aiden Holloway hits and that Donaldson does improve that what we saw late in the season is is who he's going to become but I, I think that they're pretty deep at guard because they do have an experienced Katie Johnson coming off the bench As, again assuming he's back I guess there's still another week or so before the portal does close and we make everything official but I, I mean I'm still not seeing anything that suggests he's leaving so uh, um, uh, th- that being said that wing position though that that small forward in particular as you said Brain, I'm. I, I think there's opportunity for Chris Moore and Chaney Johnson, or both, to earn minutes. But earning minutes does not mean you should play 25 minutes as a starter. Yes. yes. Uh, I think that Chris Moore's ability to hustle. Uh, in fact, he kind of goes unnoticed in the stat sheet sometimes, and I certainly have not been commenting on him much during this process. Often, kind of forgetting about him. But uh, his hustle. And his desire is something that's very commendable in short doses off the bench to interject some energy, uh, but still does not have a complete offensive game. And then with Chaney Johnson, we just do not know what to expect coming from the lower levels uh, of college basketball, not just the lower level of, of Division One, but coming from uh, Alabama-Huntsville. We just don't know if that game will translate the way uh, people hope it does, and you know maybe he ends up being a pretty good player. And we we not that we have to eat crow because I'm not saying he won't play well, but I'm just saying if that's what you're going to rely heavily on, that's not where I would start coming into the season. Uh, so I, I do think Auburn needs to look at another six six to six seven guy, someone that's a, a three, and then you also got to make sure, and because again we got to cross our t's and dot our eyes. That you know, Jalen Williams and Janai Broom are still a part of this NBA draft process, although it's unlikely that they go all the way to completion there and that they don't come back to Auburn. Until they until they come, get out of that and come back, you can't 100% be certain. So what if you did lose one of those guys? Then you're not really feeling that great about the post. You're only feeling good about guards uh, at that point. So it, it is it is an ever-changing narrative here to some degree. Uh, I was really liking what Auburn did 
the first few weeks of this thing, and I thought that it made sense for Wendell Green to move on. I, I felt he'd reached the ceiling. I was ready to see uh, Aiden Holloway come in, Trey Donaldson get more time. I, I think that decision will be fine for Auburn. I love the Denver Jones get. Certainly understood the Cheney Johnson. I like that Jalen Williams and Janai Broom are likely back, but not for certain back. Right. But still, with Flanagan gone, that was a starter. That was one of your four best players last year, given that you also lost Wendell Green. Uh, you're now looking at two of your top four players gone from last year. You feel great about adding in Denver Jones. But then from there on, there's unknown. So I would really like to get another one um, as a as a wing guy that, that could probably guard two through four, that could shoot from the perimeter a little bit, uh, maybe drive from the wing. Just a, a, kind of a complete player, honestly, I guess is what I'm asking for out yeah. of a small forward. Uh, so as of late now, after a string of good news, now a little run of bad news, I guess, and coupled with a couple decommitments too from Auburn basketball. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and it begs the question that you know, and a lot of people are asking it, especially on message boards. You know, what's going on over there? I'm not ready to hit a panic button on Bruce Pearl and that staff at, by any stretch, but I, I feel like it needs to be better um, because there are other teams that are recruiting at a higher level, uh, both high school and transfer portal now. You know, you feel pretty good about some of the guys that are coming in next year, even though now you have lost one of those uh, top players in uh, in the filing kid from Baker. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are starting to ask questions of, you know, what what is happening over there? Why, why is this uh, staff not able to recruit at the highest level? Is it the NID, is it an NIL thing? Is it, of course, now the whole shoe thing is coming back into it again, even though that the whole shoe thing disappeared when Auburn was making the Final Four run. Nobody was talking about the fact that they were in crappy Under Armour shoes. Um, but the shoe thing is coming up. The NIL thing is coming up. Facilities things is coming up. People are asking questions. Why is Auburn not able to bring in these top-tier players and top-tier recruits when then you look across somewhere like I mentioned at Arkansas and you look at the guys they brought in transfer portal and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, Musselman is just tearing it up over there. What does Arkansas have that Auburn doesn't have? What are they offering and what can they give that Auburn can't give? And why is this recruiting seeming to just not be going anywhere right now? It is an interesting dynamic to see some of the successes of other SEC schools uh, you also got to consider Ole Miss trying to start to build momentum quickly right. with with Chris Beard. They might be the ones that end up with Alan Flanagan. Might be playing against Auburn last year. Uh, I also have another topic, real quickly here, that is basketball related that I want to throw in. It's it's again, it's like twelve percent Auburn related. I don't know if it's even twelve percent, seven percent Auburn related. But uh, the basketball world had another commitment this weekend that was big. <laughs> oh, Ronnie yeah. James going to USC. And I would be remiss if I talked about this nor didn't talk about it just from the standpoint of he will be in Neville Arena right. this year. Auburn had that home-and-home home with USC, obviously lost out there last year in a close one. But the return trips this year, A, USC is going to have a good team, but B, Bronny James is coming to Neville Arena. I know that JJ is going to be like standing in line for hours trying oh, to get yeah. a look at that. Uh, but that's going to end up being a must-see game uh, for Auburn. That's going to be a, a, a marquee game next year. Uh, any excitement from you guys on 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 Bronny coming, or are we just hyping up too much because he, he's the son of LeBron and we need to shut up about it? I I mean, I think it's neat. Uh, until I see what he does on the college level, I I don't care. Um, it, it I shouldn't say I don't care. I mean, it's neat. I mean, it, it, 
it's kind of cool. If it was no, if it was big deal, little deal, or no big deal, it would be a little deal a for little, you. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a little deal until he get now. If he gets to Southern Cal and all of a sudden he is just lighting it up and is like has turned into some just phenom, then yeah. then sure, big deal. But uh, there's still a lot of people that are questioning his. I, I don't want to say. I mean, they're saying questioning his talent. I mean, he's obviously talented. I think they're questioning: Is he as good as advertised? Or is he a little overvalued because of the name? Because of the name, kind of like kind of like the uh, Manning uh, at Arch uh, at Arch Manning right now. A lot of people saying, you know, he's a five star because of his namesake. He's that he was basically a three, maybe a four star player, and that's why he's not starting at Texas this year because he's not really very good. However, he's got the last name Manning, so everybody's going to hype him up into the the next coming of Jesus Christ on the football field. Well. You know, is Bronny James the next LeBron, or is he just kind of another player that's pretty good but lives off that namesake? We don't know. We'll see how it turns out. So right now, little deal. The biggest deal that I will say is how in the hell did Ohio State not get him? Mm. Their fan's going to have questions today. Yes, because because that's where LeBron was going to go. Yeah. They are from that that Ohio area. Um have been big time Ohio State fans, and I think just everybody assumed that if Bronny was going to go to college, he's going to go to Ohio State because that's where LeBron was going to go, and they're big Ohio State fans, and that just makes perfect sense. Now, going to stay out in California and play at Southern Cal. It's like, wow, okay, so tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. if I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm like, wait, you feel like, like in the gutter right what, now? What in the heck happened there? How you know? How do you not lock that up? That that seems like the lock of all locks, and you missed on that. Yeah, I I kind of have the same thought. I thought he was going to go to Ohio State, um, but I I think it's a lot more. I I'm I'm like Tom said, it's kind of a little deal right now. I'm a lot more excited just to get a team from the West Coast into Neville Arena. I think these matchups with teams and I'm really glad Auburn football is doing something similar by going to Cal this year and, and having them make the return trip next year. Uh, these interesting matchups uh, of teams that don't play each other very often in various sports. We, uh, Auburn baseball was supposed to go to USC earlier this year, ended up having to host that series. I like this kind of back and forth that Auburn's doing with schools that they don't play very often in, in, in different sports. So I think it's really cool from that perspective. Obviously, there's potential for LeBron James to be in Neville Arena for a game. I don't know if he will be, no. but there's potential. Uh, I, I'd have to look at the schedule, see if it matches up. Maybe maybe the Lakers are playing the Hawks that week. I don't know. But I think it is cool that the son of LeBron James is going to be in Neville Arena. Don't know how good the kid's going to be. He's, he's apparently pretty talented. Not exactly the next coming of his father, but still a good basketball player. Um, so I think I think it's cool. I think it is cool. I think it's a novel idea. Uh, if he goes off for thirty against Auburn, I'm going to hate him because that's how it works. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's cool that he's coming. I think it's cool that he's going to be here, and I'm going to try to be at that game if I can. Well, and then we get into the the whole deep discussion about you know how difficult it is to be the son of a legend because then you have people that have strong opinions about you without really ever seeing much, and and you. It works to your benefit, but also a disadvantage. It just depends on who you're talking to because the benefit could be that maybe he is overvalued, that he did right. get more status because of his father. But then the disadvantage could be he's got also a lot of people that doubt him for that, that, that say it's only because of his father and because of his name. And it's this tough space to maneuver 
because on one hand, his name might play into it. But on the other hand, people are going to assume, some people are going to assume his name plays into it. Right. So he's got these wild expectations, kind of like Jordan's kids, where and, and it's even worse now because of the way that social media works, um, to where he's going to be expected to be his dad. Well, his dad is the first or second best player in the history of that sport. Okay, and, and maybe a few people will think fourth or fifth out there. Great, whatever. Top five out of thousands. So he's not going to be his dad. It's not going to happen. But he could still operate under a space that makes him a professional basketball player, makes him a really good player. So it's going to be it's, – it's, that career is going to be fascinating to follow for me, not because I care necessarily if he succeeds or not, but I just want to see how the portrayal of him kind of evolves because this consensus of last year was that he was a nice player, but – He's not going to be a five star, and he's not, you know, he's got a, a ways to go. Well, now the last year he rocketed back up and is a five star player now, and I think top 10 or top 12 in the rankings. And so now it's like, well, he's supposed to maybe be a one and done. If you're top 10 in the country, you can be a one and done freshman easily. Uh, and so now you have that discussion where you feel like if maybe he's overvalued, maybe. He's properly valued. You don't know. And there's all this heightened attention, attention on a 17, 18-year-old. And to my knowledge, I don't know, maybe someone out there follows him on social media or something. To my knowledge, he's not talking a bunch of mess. He's not Jackson Mahomes or something out there just <laughs> TikToking every five minutes. So it's not necessarily him generating this attention on himself. Uh, and and to be fair, it's LeBron's not even going all LeVar Ball. I was just, <clears throat> I was about to mention the ball, all the all the LeVar Ball and all that whole thing that i mean what a catastrophe that turned out to be yeah i mean lebron's not doing that same thing at all no i mean he's definitely running some things behind the scenes right. i mean he's very influential clearly but he's not out there saying my boy's gonna dominate the league you know ain't never lost undefeated you know all that <laughs> stuff you know not that that kind of thing is not going out on out there right. so i don't know it's it's inherently because of the name an interesting story i don't know what it will amount to basketball wise but there will be a lot of hoopla around here in December when he comes to town. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting when LeBron James Jr. gets to USC and is just a good player. He's averaging 12 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 3 assists. And that is that is his college career. And he does that for however long he wants to be in college. Anybody would take that from their starting three. Any That is a very good contribution to 12, 6.5, 3 from your starting four. You get that most of the time. But because his name is LeBron James Jr., he's going to be seen as, man, this kid didn't execute as well as we thought he did. He didn't have nearly the value that everybody thought he was going to have. He's just a, a mediocre player, but he's giving you numbers that everybody would take from their starting forward. I, I, I think that's going to be very interesting if that happens, where he's a good player, but not LeBron James. Right. I mean, and also... Because God knows social media is going to have a field day with that right. kid. If he ends up being kind of this intelligent player, kind of like his dad is, where he doesn't try to do too much, so like he has very like uh, he doesn't have dramatic stats one way or the other. Like he's not like shooting fifteen shots a game, shooting thirty five percent, but he's also not because he's not awesome. He's not scoring twenty a game in college or something. He's just like yeah, ten five and four on forty seven percent. Just like this normal guy. Yeah, that's just doing normal things, and that would be kind of the. It would be 
I don't think that's the outcome I'm rooting for, but it'd be the funniest outcome because people want desperately to be able to have a hot take one way or the other on it. Mm -hmm. They want to say, I told you he's going to be like his dad, or I told you he was overrated. That James name carried him all the way. You know, so I think it'd be funny if he was just that solid, like number two player, number three player to a college basketball team, where it's like, yeah, he does some smart things, but he's not going to wow people. That's kind of how. I know Jordan had a couple kids. I think that's kind of how Marcus was. Marcus went to UCF, and he was might have been their best player. Fuzzy memory, best or second best player, but UCF just wasn't that good, so it really didn't matter. And he kind of stayed out of the the limelight a little bit, but he was okay. And so I, you know, again, it was not not really in the presence of the the heightened social media that we had. That was about about a decade ago. It was there, but it was not on steroids like it is now. Uh, but uh, this is going to be on steroids. This is this is going to be a very interesting dynamic. And again, he'll come to Neville Arena this this uh, winter. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me. This is a fun little personal anecdote. When I was in Georgia calling uh, GISA state championships, the last game I ever called in basketball featured the the featured Shaquille O'Neal, who's the I think the middle child of Shaquille O'Neal, uh, and watching him play and kind of seeing the fanfare that surrounded him. And he was a pretty average high school basketball player. I mean, he was tall. He was about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, but he wasn't this 7-foot, 290-pound behemoth that you would go, oh, yeah, that's definitely the son of Shaquille O'Neal. He was a 3-and-D wing. Uh, and I think he ended up going to college somewhere, but not. Um, he wasn't a major five-star player. He was, But just to know, like, oh, hey, we're in kind of rarefied air right now because that is Shaq's son. Yeah. And I feel like it might be something similar with, uh, with Bronny. Yeah, absolutely. 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Time for a phone call before we end the hour. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt from Casita. Matt for Auburn joins us now. Matt, how are you doing? What's up? What's going on? What's up, man? Hi, Tom. Hello. You behaving today? I am trying my best. Hey, hey, uh, Ryan. Yes, sir. Tom, but it's $250 that he's not being... Two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. Hey, uh, I got a question for uh, Tom. Then I ask you a question there, Brent. Tom, what was the LSU coach? Hey, Matt, turn your radio off in the in the background there, or turn it down because we can. It's echoing. So the coach for LSU. I didn't know what him and Bush Thompson are talking about. Which with the LSU third baseman talking about because Auburn's runner was less early, or was he arguing about the bo- the boxing? What was Bish Thompson talking about? Uh, you know, I I didn't have I was out of town this weekend, so I was keeping track of everything on Twitter, uh, and so I didn't see that. So I'm not really sure what happened there when he was arguing with the uh, umpire or something. Yeah. Yeah, I had I was watching, but I had the TV on mute at that moment. I from from what I gathered from some some of my buddies, it was something to do with the LSU bench area, and uh, and something with the noise they were making or, or some shenanigans they were up to. Something with that. I don't know that uh, for sure because I did not have the volume on, but I think it pertained to some noise or well, something like I, that. I think the I think there was also a situation, and maybe this is what you're talking about. They ejected somebody from the LSU dugout 
But then they weren't sure who it was, and they I guess and he hadn't they, left the dugout. Right, they, they, somebody else left, but then the umpires were like, "No, you are the one that I ejected." And so then they had to figure out who was ejected. And I think Butch may have been raising some steam because he was basically like, "Come on, you know, let's figure this out. Let's get this game going. You know, we're we're tired of dealing this. Whatever well, it is." I, I I remember reading that, so that may have been that situation. Well, it something it was like uh, I think an LSU someone in the dugout had a gray shirt on, and they said it was. The third baseman. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I'm not sure. I, you know, I was I was out of town. I've been I was in Boaz, Alabama, most of the weekend, and so I I was able to kind of keep track of of Auburn on on Twitter on social media. But as far as watching the games, I, I was not able to. A question is, what do you guys think about the the quarterback we got from Michigan State and the wide receiver they got from Ohio State? Yeah, Peyton Thorne, the quarterback out of Michigan State, uh, that was someone that Auburn had been targeting from the moment he got in the portal. I think uh, he is – Or maybe before. Yeah, or maybe <laughs> before, depending on who you ask. Uh, I think he's a solid quarterback. Uh, watch some film on him. Uh, like some things. Do think there's a few things to work on too. But uh, overall, I think it's a pretty good get. And then the Ohio State wide receiver, Caleb Burton the third. Uh, did not play really at Ohio State last year, but he was a big recruit, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about him later on the show too. But uh, steps in the right direction for Auburn. So, so who, if you guys were Heath Freeze, Ryan or Tom, if you guys were Heath Freeze, who would you have for the starter and then the backup, the third string, and then probably the fourth four string? Well, I mean, right now, you're not bringing a guy in like Peyton Thorne to to just sit the bench. I think their expectations are that he's going to be the starting quarterback. And, and I mean, for his experience, as much as he's played and the numbers he's put up, you've got to have him written in as your starter right now. Now, your second string, it's either going to be Ashford or Holden Gurner. Um, And I don't know which one really stepped up uh, to be that potential. Uh, I've heard a lot about Holden Gurner. Uh, from some folks, and I, but I've also heard good from Robbie Ashford. Honestly, I if if I am just making the roster off of just what I know and what I expect, I think it would be Holden Gurner. I'm sorry, uh, Peyton Thorne would be your starter. I think Holden Gurner would actually be your number two, and Ashford would be three. Uh, maybe some packages here and there for Ashford, but uh, I think it's Peyton Thorne and Holden Gurner one and two. So do you probably see, like, say, Ashford, if Ashford gets hurt, then would he start maybe Brown as maybe another backup if Astro got hurt? The the Hank Brown kid who oh, was committed to, uh, to Liberty, I don't expect him to play very much at all at Auburn. I don't think anybody does. Uh, I think he's there to kind of be an emergency quarterback. I think you would have to get pretty far down the list uh, for Hank Brown to get some real playing time. So, so what do you guys think about the uh, softball as the three seed for the uh, – and then they have Auburn for baseball as a nine seed against Bama and and stuff of like that. So say that Auburn beats Bama and Hoover, do you probably see Auburn playing a rematch against LSU? Yeah, I think that's kind of how the seeding would work out. We've still got two more uh, SEC series to play, though, so a lot can happen. I know A&M's got the same record down there, too, and Auburn could move up a couple spots, could move down a spot or two. So really, it's a, uh, I, I know it's getting kind of late, but we still don't really have a clear picture on how exactly that bracket will shake out. 
do you guys think that Auburn can probably beat Ole Miss this week in baseball at in Oxford? Yeah, they definitely have the capability to. I think they're a better team than Ole Miss. It is at Ole Miss, which will help them a little bit. But Ole Miss right now is one of the two teams that would not qualify for the SEC tournament. So they're going to be playing with some desperation, but also they've just not played very well this year. So, so, so we're like, so they said Auburn softball could host the regional and the super regional. So who do you think Auburn will play in the super, the regional and the super regional for softball? Yeah, they they wouldn't host a super regional. I, I wouldn't think they'd have to be an upset in, in who they'd be aligned with. They could ho- host a regional, and I, I'm really not sure who would who would be all the teams in their regional right now. I mean, it could be a number of different teams as a two, three, and four seed. But uh, I I think I like the momentum they've got. I think they will host a regional. I'm not sure. Uh, it might determine too, or it might be determined how they do in the SEC tournament. Yeah, I saw. I saw. I saw that. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it too. I saw that Mississippi State. They said it's not going to go for uh, SEC tournament. Uh, in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. They. They and Ole Miss right now would be the two teams that would not qualify for the SEC tournament. Also, Matt, we're down to another minute or two with with you, and then we got to take our break. Okay. So, how do you think probably with the the new quarterback that we got from Michigan State, you think Auburn can probably still lose to probably Georgia and make the SEC championship game and probably playoff or an after championship? No, I do not. I do not think they're going to make the playoff or, or go to the title game this year. It's way too early in the rebuild for that. I do think this will improve their situation, but – uh, I would be I would be very pleasantly shocked if they won ten or eleven games this year. Tom, what, Tom, what do you think? Yeah, so so I think we I think without Peyton Thorne, this is a six seven maybe even five win team five six maybe seven wins without Peyton Thorne. With Peyton Thorne, I think you're an eight win team. I think you might be able to get nine out of it. Ten is a stretch. That's a huge stretch right now. Because there's just so many other places on that team that have got to be improved, um, but no, that does not. Nine wins is not going to get you into the SEC championship game. It's not going to get you in the playoffs. It will get you a dang good bowl game, but it's not going to get you into the championship. You freeze that staff. They're going to have to have a couple of years of big time recruiting and big time transfer portal before Auburn's able to contend for titles again. Well, hey, I, I know you guys have uh, and stuff like that, but if you guys ever get Cadillac or Bruce on here. Or to my Von Reed and Stefan and JJ, I I like to maybe ask Bo or Devon Reed or uh, maybe Hugh Free some questions. Uh, we will let you know that if uh, if that does happen, Matt. Hey, have you guys heard from Sean anymore? We have not. Hmm. All right. Well, I hope James had a good birthday and and I'm telling him I said hey and tell JJ and uh, when's Brooke coming back? Uh, Brooks is back at work. He's just not all. He's never on the Monday show. Uh, okay. All right. Well, you guys have a good you guys have a good day and like um and pray for me and my mom and dad. We're leaving Friday morning to go to the church in South Carolina to a funeral. So. Oh. Okay. Sorry to hear so, that. Go to my dad's friend's wife. She was in the hospital for twenty eight days and she had cancer. And so we're going we're going up there and, and so but um and also pray for her. I have like going to the state. On the nineteenth and swim on the twentieth, and so I hope I do good to go to the nationals. I hope so. Uh, I'll, I'll call you guys next, maybe next Monday, and you guys have a good day. And Tom, behave. 
He will behave. We appreciate the phone call, Matt. Hope you have a great day and a, a great trip to South Carolina. We're certainly sorry for your loss. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back, Kevin Ives will join us. He is at AUPPL on Twitter. He will talk all things Auburn baseball when we come back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two at Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or, of course, if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Daughtry with you here today. And we're now pleased to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line and welcome in Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot. Kevin, the time is always greatly appreciated. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are y'all? We are doing quite well. And uh, we saw another triumphant series this weekend for the Tigers, the long-awaited number 1 LSU Tigers coming into town. Uh, just before we even get into the nuts and bolts of the games, just what was those? What were the atmospheres like this weekend? I mean, it really was. It was like a regional atmosphere. I mean, it was the best atmosphere I think Auburn has had all year. The you know the opponent definitely helped. The eight o'clock game um, on Saturday definitely helped. Um, the win against South Carolina the previous weekend uh, definitely helped, and the Eagle flight on Saturday. So it was just a big deal. The huge weekend in town. You know, with graduation and softball also in town. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was packed, uh, pretty much every night. Um, and even, you know, pretty packed on Sunday too. So, um, it was just a great baseball atmosphere and it just showed that there's a lot of people that love Auburn baseball, want to follow Auburn baseball and, um, are really excited about the season um, that's been going on so far and, um, know that they can obviously beat the number one team in the country. So that was a, it's a huge deal and it was a huge weekend. All right, Kevin, let's go ahead and put something to rest. That's all out there on social media. I know from being on the top of the deck with you guys how y'all police, because the last time I was up there, some rowdy Auburn fans came up and were yelling some obscenities that the uh, security uh, squashed pretty quick. There's stuff on social media saying that there was racial things being yelled out at LSU players and it caused maybe some fights over there down near the fence (laughs) and all this kind of stuff. Put that to rest. I mean, what what the hell was going on out there? It's actually a pretty funny story, ultimately. So, um Basically what happened, long and short, I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. There was a gentleman inside of the stadium. Uh, there's a younger gentleman inside of the stadium that was um, intoxicated. And there were a lot of people that were, that were intoxicated. Um, and he was doing, he was an LSU fan, and he was doing the LSU chant, you know, the LSU, LSU. Um, and he was getting heckled by some, uh, by some other fans. And they got into it back and forth. Okay? And so the, they got into it with some Auburn fans. Um, and the gentleman that was inside the stadium was escorted out. And 
the guy on social media that posted something, this uh, Twitter account called Crying Belly or whatever, is the one that really kind of started it and said that there were racial slurs that were being thrown out and, th- and that him and his boy were being yelled at. And he specifically said that he knew the guy that got thrown out. And here's where it gets kind of funny. So that happened Saturday night. And then Sunday morning, we're at the top of the deck. We're watching. We see the normal event staff folks, Allie and, um, and Peaches, that are there. And they're talking to some of the folks that are normally sitting behind the terrace. And they're, they're, you can see they're kind of animated. Um, and I'm up at the top of the deck, and I hear a guy next to me talk about how he was thrown out last night. And I go, um, you know, you're famous on social media. Like, everybody's going crazy. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, there's videos, there's pictures. You know, they said that there's, um, you know, that some um, some racial slurs were thrown out. And so there's an investigation going on right now. I guarantee you that's what's happening. Um, like, they're going to look into it. Does Auburn take that stuff very seriously? And he was completely surprised because I had we to show him a picture of him, you know, being escorted out. So he had no clue. Um, and so I asked, I kind of talked to him, like, hey, what, what happened? And I asked about the racial stuff. He said, no, that didn't happen. He said he was drunk. Like, going into the game, he was already drunk and got into it. Um, and so at that point, like, the Jerry, um, one of the main event staff guys, like, came up. I introduced both of them. Um, and then a representative from Auburn came up and talked to him. Um, and so it was investigated. And honestly, if you want my honest opinion of what happened is um, the guy that started all on Twitter – it did not involve him at all. He just had a bad experience and basically made something up. But the university takes it very, very seriously um, and definitely investigated and did their due diligence and is probably still doing their due diligence on everything. But, yeah, like you mentioned, something, we police it very seriously up there. Um, and anything that's said that gets kind of that is super cringeworthy or just unacceptable, it may come out once, uh, but it gets squashed pretty quickly. But it very... It doesn't happen, especially stuff like that. And we take yeah. it very, very seriously um, because we also know that, and I think everybody knows who would heckle, you got kids around you and stuff. And, and Auburn really kind of prides itself on being welcoming. And that's going to go into it. It's like you can't really – that's well, it's not something you can, can say to begin with or you should say to begin with. Um, and I think that's also why you saw the university be very swift about like, yeah, we're not just going to say this is just some random dude on the Internet saying stuff and not believing him. They did their due diligence. So they're, they're, they did investigate. They talked to probably more people than I even realized that they've talked to. So, yeah. But the guy that got thrown out was up at the deck on Sunday for a little bit um, and was actually surprised that it had kind of blown up as much. I guess it went to Skybar the night uh, after the game, after he got thrown out, it was still having a good weekend. But, yeah, that's, that's what it was. And yeah. It's just kind of a, um, some ridiculousness. And you, you kind of see the guy, the Twitter account, that kind of started it all. He went back and he deleted a lot of his stuff associating him with the guy, um, but still kind of holding firm about how he had a bad time and the heckling and stuff. But I, I don't know. That's At this point, it's, it, it, it is what it is. He just didn't have a good time. And um, I think him deleting his tweets previously um, and backing off of actually being associated with the actual guy that got thrown out, um, I think that kind of tells you all you need to know about the validity of a lot of the stuff that he said. Yeah. Well, like I said, I saw him say something about Auburn, you need to control your parking lot people. I'm like, wait a minute, those are my people. It's like, well, and that, I know, and that, I know that wasn't too. going on up there with y'all. Yeah, and that was the other thing, too. He mentioned about, you know, that folks are sitting in the, that they're heckling and being obnoxious and they're sitting in the free seats and harassing people that have paid tickets. And I, I will tell you right hand, I have season tickets. And the majority of people that watch from the deck um, and, and, and behind the terrace level have season tickets. 
what we do and what I do a lot of times is I give those tickets away. Um, I'm still going to go to the game and watch where I'm going to watch the game from. And if I know for a fact I'm not going to physically go into the game, I always try to give my ticket away to somebody so that they can experience Auburn baseball themselves inside of the stadium. Um, and so it's not a situation where we're sitting in free seats or anything. That's just where we enjoy watching the game. And that's just where, like, we still support Auburn baseball and buy season. I've got a season ticket holder license plate on my car and everything and member of the Diamond Club and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you think people are out there and it's all like free seats and they're just being bums out there. But no, like, the folks that are there, the majority of games, <coughs> excuse me, majority of games, all have season tickets. And they just share them with other people. Um, And that's just part of the deal. It's part of the love that they have for Auburn baseball and wanting to share that experience with folks. Well, now that we've put that to bed, getting into kind of some nuts and bolts of things, uh, looking at this series against LSU, Kevin, goodness gracious, how good was Auburn's pitching this weekend? I think that was the biggest surprise. And it honestly kind of starts, too, on that Friday. You know, Auburn shifted its rotation a bit, and they moved Tommy Vale, um, who who had been the Friday guy, to Saturday. Um, but even if you look at that loss, we, we started Chase Alston and had kind of a rough start. Hit the first batter and then gave up a two home run. Gave up a two run home run to the next batter. But then LSU doesn't score another run the rest of the game. Auburn doesn't score any runs that game, and so that doesn't really help. But from that game on, you kind of felt that Auburn was has figured something out pitching wise. And from that performance, even in a loss on Friday, the Vale's performance on Saturday. Um, and then having Will Cannon like really close it out and, and go a, a really extended group, a uh, really extended outing to get that first win, a huge win on that Saturday game. And then Sunday was just incredible to begin with because Sunday Auburn had a big lead, and sometimes when you have a big lead, you kind of loosen up a bit, and maybe that's a recipe for another team to kind of creep back in. But between Herbert Holt and Drew Nelson on Sunday completely shutting the door, um, that was great. And Auburn, I think, they pitched well. They pitched well with a lot of their bullpen pieces, knowing where to fit them and who was going to give them the best opportunity at the right time. And so you got saw a lot of guys contribute, um, especially on that um, Saturday game and even in the Friday game to help to hold it where it was. Um, and it, you know, Auburn, of course, is going to get turn a lot of heads because they run ruled LSU on um, on Sunday. But the fact that the Auburn pitching staff held LSU to as few runs as it did throughout the entire weekend is something you definitely have to hang your head on because LSU is a team that, that really makes you pay for mistakes. And because they didn't have a, a big offensive weekend, that kind of shows you that Auburn didn't make a lot of mistakes pitching-wise. Um, and they didn't want to make a lot of mistakes on the mound because LSU wasn't able to capitalize them. Kevin, let's look ahead a little bit. You've taken four out of six from two of the best teams in the country. Uh, what does that do for postseason play? Well, it makes it, you know we, we've talked a couple weeks for a couple weeks that you really you really still want to get to that 14 win mark to just go to a regional, um, and it now you know now Auburn has six games left um, and really just needs to win three of them. So they need to take one of these next two series uh, just to kind of get to those 14 wins and really feel comfortable with just going to a regional. Now and, and good and bad, you can kind of sneak into a little bit as maybe sneak into a host discussion, but it's going to take a lot of work. And it's going to take sweeps at that point. So I think the graphic came up during some of the broadcasts about Auburn maybe you know working its way into a host discussion. The only way that happens is if you sweep Ole Miss and sweep Missouri. Um, and so to my, in my mind, if that happens, that happens. But the focus has to be on this weekend 
and taking that series from Ole Miss. Because you take that series from Ole Miss, then, and if you sweep that series from Ole Miss, then you've really set yourself up to have a huge final week of the season and a final push heading into the SEC tournament. Um, but you have to look at the teams that Auburn is playing next. We're playing Missouri and Ole Miss. And you have to hope that Auburn is not kind of drinking their own Kool-Aid and they just took a series of the number two and number one team and then they fall backwards a bit. You still have to be focused because, I mean, this weekend can show you that any team could beat any team. Um, you know, Alabama took a series from Vanderbilt. Um, Kentucky swept South Carolina. And so, especially playing on the road this weekend, it's going to be tough, and it's always going to be tough. Um, and so you just got to take it kind of one weekend at a time and do that. But ultimately for, like, regional and postseason, you've, you've got to feel pretty good and confident, but you just can't really rest and expect things to happen. You have to make them happen. And, yeah, that kind of went into my next question there, Kevin, because it, I feel like it's it's to some degree human nature to think, well, we've just beaten – the, the the top two country or top two teams in the country arguably in back to back weeks it doesn't get better in the regular season than this oh look here comes Ole Miss who's in danger of not even making the SEC tournament uh, how difficult is it going to be for Auburn to kind of ward off some of that uh, just kind of human nature to maybe not be as excited about this opponent or to maybe even fight off the sense that they're, since they're just flat out better than this team, that just because they succeeded the last couple weeks, they're going to walk in there and, and do what they want to do. I think they'll be in a good mental space for it. I mean, it's going to be a tough series to begin with because, um, you know, it's going to be another one of those Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. And so you've got kind of a short week to begin with. You have a really dangerous offense in Ole Miss. Um, even though they've struggled to win games, they still have the offense. I mean, they put up 20-something runs against Missouri this past weekend um, in one game, and it's going to be tough. You know, the, the Swayze Field is a really tough place to play. They, they're still the defending national champions, um, and they still have everything that's, that's going to go along with that, um, and they still have the talent on their team. So it, it's I think Ole Miss will be kind of rowdy, and they'll be, you know, as um, – enthusiastic about baseball, win or lose, um, they will be. Um, so it'll be kind of tough. I mean, it, winning on the road in the SEC is hard just to begin with. And you saw that this past weekend. Like, the only team that won a series on the road was Arkansas sweeping Mississippi State. Every other road team lost. Um, and those included some pretty big upsets, um, including, like, Georgia taking the series from Tennessee and, um, and like I mentioned, the Vanderbilt-Alabama game. So... Yeah, it's going to be tough, and I think it's as long as you kind of focus on what's ahead and not what could be ahead, you're going to be okay. Talking to Kevin Ives here today on Sports Call, and last question or two for Kevin. And when we think about how this team operated against such a, a good lineup in LSU, a couple guys that are just amongst the best players in college baseball. You do, did mention Ole Miss, 20 runs on a Sunday game, had a kid hit four home runs in one game. I mean, I guess, it, the, do we expect some higher scoring games this weekend with Ole Miss? And then also, uh, just with the pitching staff, you know, it was an interesting move to have Vale on Saturday night, Herbert Holtz on Sunday, and I think a lot of that was due to the atmosphere they wanted to create on Saturday. But do you think we'll see Vale move back to that first night of the of the series, or do you think they'll they'll continue to do it the way they did it this past weekend? I think they'll continue to do it the way they, they did it this past weekend because and the only reason I really kinda of say that is because you, you gotta you gotta think if this is gonna be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, next week is Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, and then you've got the SEC tournament where you really need to win that first game. 
Um, but it's probably going to start on like a Wednesday or a Thursday. So you take it this weekend, you keep Vail, to me, you keep Vail on Friday. And Chase has been pitching, I think Chase pitched really well on Friday. And I think he's shown that he is improving and he's, he's making strides. And he's got the stuff to kind of do that. And so you just give him that chance to turn the corner. And then you've kind of set yourself up as, you know, you put him on Thursdays. And now you've got Vale on, on the kind of that linchpin game and that Friday. Um, and it'll work out. So I, I like it. I like the rotation how it was set up this past weekend. Yeah, it, part of it was because of the game on Saturday. And part of it, I think, was because on Friday, you know you're facing always SC Pitcher of the Week and Paul Skines um, at 15 strikeouts. Um, you kind of you wanted to give yourself the best opportunity to win the series, um, and that's what you did. And the, the same situation is still going to happen this weekend at Ole Miss. Um, so I don't think you jumble anything too much because it obviously I think it worked this weekend. So keep it how it was, um, and just let that kind of flow into the SEC tournament. He's Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot. Kevin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. We certainly enjoyed these conversations a lot more the last couple of weeks with all this good yeah. Auburn baseball play, and we hope it continues. But we, again, appreciate your time and hope to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. As Kevin Ives joining us today on Sports Call, talk some more Auburn baseball on the heels of another triumphant weekend where they beat the number one team in the country, LSU Tigers, two out of three inside of Plainsman Park. We're going to take our next time out of the show back to the Auburn Bank phone line right after this. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call today. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Tom Peavy. Again, a big thanks to Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter, who uh, talks Auburn baseball with us each and every Monday. We certainly appreciate him for doing that. And again, a lot more positive things to say about Auburn baseball here in the last couple of weeks with the way they're playing against some of these top teams in the country. But for now, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334 337-3401 337-3401 locally or toll-free. 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, appreciate you waiting, sir. I hope you had a great weekend. Well, I'll begin off with, holy crap, Shazam and shakalaka boom. That's a lot of excitement. Oh. Well, I stayed up to almost midnight. Uh, kept thinking, of course, in my paranoid, you know, uh, Auburn fan uh, kind of thinking, they're going to blow it. They're going to blow it. It's 8-6, to six and somehow we're going to lose it. And it didn't happen, did it, guys? It, it did not. I will admit, when the catcher dropped the pop-up, that was oh, oh, a that, little... Oh, that tore me up. I said, I said, here we go, here we go. Yeah, that was... Uh, I didn't love that part of it. Uh, and then the ne- that runner did reach base, but uh, from there it was all good. 
And LaRue, who is, I mean, fantastic, how's he drop that one? Yeah, I mean a one one in a thousand, one in a hundred thousand type of type of thing there. I mean he's probably not dropped one of those in play probably since high school or, or middle school. And guys, I'm unashamedly, unabashedly, unashamedly uh, uh, saying I'm a meat and crow, and I'm liking it because I told you well, a few weeks ago this is a god awful bullpen coaching staff, uh, and they you know will be lucky you know, uh, to to even. Uh, do anything, you know, in the SEC tournament, right? That was uh, that was a sentiment from a few weeks ago. Yes, so I'm happily eating crow and I'm enjoying it. Well, and and uh, again, you know, that's why they they play it all the way out. And now, look, you know, they'll probably have another disappointing performance or two at some point, but they have clearly gotten better. And you know that that's at the end of the day, that's the goal. You're not always going to start out where you want to. Uh, but this team has battled. They've gotten even more depth to their lineup. They've had some other contributors in SEC play. And then, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, pitching-wise, they've got two starters they feel comfortable with now. They've got one or two bullpen guys that are starting to pitch better that, that know their roles and they can put in in a high-leverage situation and feel decent about. So, again, it's not like this team is necessarily destined for greatness now, but they've certainly improved and they've, they've had some big-time series. Well, hold on, my friend. Because I don't know what could happen now. Because uh, right now, I was impressed by Herb Holtz, uh, Nelson coming in, uh, Vale. Uh, you know, in the past, I said, yeah, we'll, we'll be like if we. Um, in fact, the guys, I'll tell you right now. If you'd have told me the score was 12 to 2, I said, well, damn, we got run ruled. Right. I thought that would have been, been LSU 12 and we 2, right? Yeah, yeah, I would and, have thought and, so and especially on Sunday for the way Sundays have gone a lot of times this season. And I'm coming from some stats that I didn't know of uh, until I read it uh, before seven. But apparently, uh, the average runs this season for LSU have been over ten runs a game. I would believe it. Right around there, I'd believe it. That was their average, and we held them set to the lowest total uh, for weekend uh, for for three game series the entire season. No other team had done this. Eleven runs. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, exactly. It was the the best they played. It was the first conference series that LSU had lost. And I loved uh, hearing the, uh, the the comments, the conversation you had with uh, Kevin Oz. I'm glad he cleared up that. I didn't even know about this kind of a brawl. I guess what it was the guy getting escorted out. Um, at least when I was watching, nothing was made about that. Did that happen at the very end of the game, or when did this happen? I, I don't know what part of the game it happened. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not something that would have. Uh, it was not something that would have happened that would have been captured on television or anything. It was something that was there down there at the kind of the terrace level and between the park, the, between the terrace level and the parking deck. And it's more been a social media thing. Yeah. I mean, there was some jawing going back and forth through the fence between LSU fans and Auburn fans and a guy got escorted out. But it, the, the main vitriol is it's been stuff on social media, not anything on television. And if people make things up, you know, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm glad Kevin and I have cleared all that up. And uh, how about Case and Howell? Two triples. Yeah, two two-run triples. Uh, uh, incredible. So, wow. Uh, yeah, they, they might, you know, fall flat in these upcoming games. I hope not. Uh, but we'll see. But guys, we're right now, as of today, would you say we are a lock or not to play in the regionals? Very close to a lock. I think they need a couple more conference wins. It, it, any, any time, uh, you know, if they, 
to me, Locke says, can you lose out and be okay? And even though that would be seemingly outrageous, I would absolutely not think that would be on the table to happen. Uh, Locke, to me, says no matter what are they in. So I'd stop just short of that, but they're only a couple wins away. I mean, they're they're very close. Okay. And then my daughter just told me, I didn't know, that South Carolina's baseball team got swept by Kentucky. Is that correct? You know, I did. I knew that they had lost a game. I did not know that they had lost uh, all the games. I will. I will verify that right now. Uh, but uh, that uh, possible that they got sent into a bit of a, a tailspin there. Uh, yeah, they definitely lost the Saturday, uh, the Sunday game, nine to two. Going back through. Again, apologies for the uh, live radio here. Uh, I don't see the score on Saturday, so that's not helpful. Yeah, I'm not sure, uh, but I, I know. Yes, no, they lost 14 to seven on Saturday. That was not pretty, and they lost. Yeah, they did get swept. Got swept by Kentucky. Wow, seven to wow. three on Friday. And how in the world does Ole Miss score four runs in the bottom? Was it bottom of the ninth? Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, they, they came from behind to win five to four over Alabama. Uh, they uh, well. Oh, softball! You you got to. Yeah, I'm sorry. You switched to softball. I was like, they haven't played Vandy this weekend. Um, they did. They so it kind of was reversed on Saturday. Ole Miss led one. Montana Fouts. Ole Miss led one nothing on Saturday, and Bama came back, scored three in the seventh, and then uh, yesterday, yeah, Ole Miss led, or excuse me, Bama led late, and then Ole Miss scored in the last inning. Wow! Uh, But to do that against Montana was to me was impressive. And speaking of softball, guys, Miss Maddie Penta. SEC Pitcher of the Week. She earned it. Fourth time, first time ever by an Auburn player to win it four times. Okay. Um, now, yeah, let me ask you about that. Because it says here uh, that she uh, apparently got it. Uh, but uh, we have another pitcher who got who got it five times. Uh, I don't know if that's correct. I mean, I, I pulled that off of Auburn Softball's Twitter. I'm going to make sure I didn't misread okay. that. I mean, are you talking about a, maybe in a career, sure, but not in a season? Yeah, season, Auburn man. softball, list of Auburn pitchers who have won the award four times in the same season. Matty Pinta, that's it. Yeah. Okay, good. So uh, this comes from Phil Marshall today. He says that if Matty doesn't get pitcher of the year in the SEC, something's wrong, and goes on to say even the SEC network analyst and former Alabama All-American Caleb Broad, uh, who's unabashed in her love for anything Crimson, says – she even said that Penta should be pitcher of the year. Guys, you think she's a shoe in for this? I think I think she's the probable winner. There's a girl from Tennessee uh, that also ranks highly in, in every main category. I think her ERA is technically a little lower than Pitt Maddie's. At least it was coming into this weekend. Uh, but she doesn't have as many wins or strikeouts. So I think Maddie will win it. But also just the fact that Tennessee was so good this year, I hope you know. I hope they don't subscribe to the opinion opinion of you know best pitcher on the best team because uh, I think Maddie had to carry more weight than she did. So uh, I, I think Maddie should win. But again, I don't I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion. Okay, speaking of that, stick with softball. What does softball team have to do now in order to be host uh, regional host? Yeah, you know, I, I think they're in good shape. I would really like them to make sure they at least win one in the SEC tournament. Uh, I think that will be all they need. I think that's all they should need. Now, they did go down in RPI two spots uh, this How week. How did that happen? This weekend because Mississippi State's uh, not an NCAA tournament team. They're they're the worst or second-worst team in the SEC. Uh, so, so you get dinged for playing a bad team. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, that's how RPI works. That's why Auburn canceled that Alabama State game because they were. I mean, it wouldn't have helped their RPI oh in, in any way. So, uh, I, I again, I think that's a part of the equation. I don't think it's the whole equation. I think that they should look at the Auburn. The fact that Auburn finished third in the SEC, they beat the teams uh, that finished uh, fifth and sixth in the SEC in Alabama and LSU. So I think if Auburn affirms that with another win against LSU in the SEC tournament quarterfinals, I think they'll be good to go. Okay. And see a softball team, guys, uh, I didn't know this until I read it, um, I guess, Friday night. Uh, but either on 247 Sports. But uh, I, I'm impressed, uh, to say the least, that uh, Mr. Uh, Coach um, uh, Dean, Mickey Dean, uh, went ahead and coached the team Friday uh, after having just learned before they went onto the field that his father had passed away. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, that was yeah. some sad news. I know that he'd been sick for a little while, and Coach Dean had been visiting them uh, whenever he could. So I, it was not entirely unexpected from what I understand, but certainly still a tough circumstance. Yeah, he, he got the information right before the game, but he did not share the information with the team until afterwards. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that's you know probably a smart decision. Doesn't want uh, anyone to be – overthinking and you know do it for him type of deal i guess so right yeah it makes sense so i but then he went on to say according to 247 sports um he said that uh, if i had not gone uh to go ahead and coach uh, the game he said uh my dad would have been mad as hell at me so i thought wow oh uh, i'm go. glad he went able to do that all right putting that aside guys uh alan flanagan gone uh i, I wish him the best i hope that this is a good move for him maybe he needs to get uh, out of shadows of his father, you know, and, and go maybe out of the SEC. Well, what do you think, guys? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I know the Ole Miss rumbling is there. I think there still is the potential he gives to Ole Miss. But I, I, I don't know. I, I I wonder, I mean, Allen's been involved in the SEC, obviously, this whole time because growing up in Arkansas there and then obviously going to Auburn here for these last four years, maybe a, a complete change uh, would be good for him. Uh, but at the same time, maybe that connection with his dad is just there, and and he's going to go play for his dad one more year at Ole Miss. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. I know some people believe that's the case, but I, nothing would surprise me. Well, I'm glad he got he graduated, got his degree. I'd hate to have to play against him, but so. And then Tom, you brought some interesting things. You know, not to be panicky, but you know what does explain? Because I just saw that Arkansas got a five star transfer, um, and I know Ryan, you've mentioned Musselman's, you know. Uh, legendary history and all that, but when when's the last time Arkansas made the Final Four? Um, I don't know when the last time they won the Final Four. I know they won a national title in the '90s when Nolan Richardson was there. I don't I don't know if that's the last time. I'm they just, the Final I guess Four. I'm asking. You know, what's the appeal and attraction for these, probably, you know, five star rated uh, players to not uh, come over here instead of going to these other SEC teams, be it Arkansas, be it Alabama, who knows? You know. What's well, going on? Because Auburn only has a certain number of scholarships available. They can't get every good player. And Arkansas has made the run to the Elite Eight. not Never to, never made it to the Final Four, but they've made it to the Elite Eight, I think, what, three of the past four, maybe the past three, something like that. They've made, they've made a couple of Elite Eights here in recent history. Eric Musselman's a really good coach, and uh, he's absolutely a guy that you know a lot of these kids would want to go play for. Okay. Uh, so he's got a... 
higher level of appeal than Bruce Pearl does. I mean, I, I think it, they're it depends on I the think kid. They're similar. Depends yeah, on the kid. And, you know, so Arkansas did go the lead eight in 2022 and 2021. Their last Final Four was 1995. But again, historically, I mean, Arkansas is still clearly a, a superior program to Auburn. Historically, I mean, Arkansas has been. Uh, to six Final Fours, and again, they have won a title when, when Nolan Richardson was there. So, I mean, there's still a lot of – I mean, as far as SEC programs go, Arkansas is one of the top historical SEC programs. Okay, I get the historical part. Uh, and but what I and then Musselman has I mean, also – I'll tell you this too, Steve. Musselman also was an NBA coach in the early 2000s. So he's always going to have that message of he knows what it takes to, to get into the NBA, too. And, and Arkansas has sent a few guys there recently, just like Auburn has. So, well, I was uh, going to ask you about that. How has he compared uh, their program seen to the NBA versus uh, Bruce Pearl, our team, seeing people in the NBA recently? Yeah, I'd have to dig through every particular guy. I know, again, like I said, they've sent a few here in the last few years, and they've definitely had some guys, uh, again, historically to, to pan out in the NBA uh, so I'd have to get you the exact number here, and I'll go back through the Arkansas rosters the last couple of years. But, uh, again, he's starting to develop that pipeline too. Okay, because, you know, the, the, the players now, they're young. They don't know about history, but they do look at, well, you know, how many people you sent last year to the NBA or not? And that's what I was looking at. Yeah, I'll double, I'll double check all the particulars there. Okay, uh, so – all in all, you're an Auburn fan. This is one of the best sports uh, weekends uh, that I've seen. And just real quickly, guys, uh, I know the uh, NCAA tournament started uh, for the women's golf, and it's out in San Antonio. I see that we're, I guess, not doing too good, but tell me because I'm not a golf player. We're tied right now uh, for, I guess, eighth place or seventh place. I'm um, looking at here at the recent uh, postings. Um, how bad is that? Uh you said they were tied for seventh. I think the regionals. Yeah, Oklahoma State and Texas A&M are tied for first place. SMU is in third place. New Mexico and UCLA are tied for fourth. Pepperdine is in sixth place. Denver's in seventh. Then they have Auburn in the eighth spot. They're plus sixteen. Yeah, I think that's in the middle of the regional. Uh, I'm not exactly. I mean, I don't follow the golf closely, so I don't know exactly how many teams advance. If it's four teams that advance, or that sort of thing, or or two even, I don't know. But uh, it seems like they're in contention, but have work yeah. to do. And, but I, I mean, I and I say, I mean, in golf and especially team golf like that, one really good round can shoot you up uh, very quickly. And this Auburn team is capable. I mean, it's a it's a men's team that was ranked number one at a part at uh, a point of the year, so they have the ability to have a, a big round and and just rock it up. So we'll see what happens with it. Okay, and there are there three rounds. I, I am I'm honestly not sure like how that whole collegiate golf thing is set up okay and lastly the uh kentucky derby you guys saw it uh, i did watch it uh mage I, yeah mage well this uh professor i get their emails from um he gives he gives um, these picks and he said uh he liked ma mage uh to, to win it all uh and then a friend of mine who bet on the horse races took the uh, uh second place horse two fields i think is his name yeah, two fills in. He had, uh, yeah. that horse had been leading for a while in that one. Okay, uh, and then I thought, well, wow, what's going on with all these horses? They're suddenly dying, right? Uh, in the past week or two, um, they were in the Kentucky Derb, I guess, contention. You read about that, right? Uh, I I did not. Yeah, oh, yeah, and the two of them died this weekend, and the horse of most favored um, at the last hour or something was pulled out because 
or the soreness. So uh, that was interesting. But I, I didn't know if you guys knew anything about what was happening to these horses. They were suddenly uh, dying. You know, I, I I saw the story. I know like seven total uh, were euthanized right. out there. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, typically, in, typically when it comes to uh, thoroughbreds like that and when you're hearing about them having to be euthanized, that means there was a leg injury. Um, so I don't know if the ground – was something was going on with that and they were hurting or if it just was a bad year for for leg injuries with the horses but i mean you know with a thoroughbred like that if they if they break a leg or something like that they're pretty much gonna have to be euthanized and i i just chalk it up as it was just a really bad week uh or bad weekend for uh for injuries there at churchill downs because you don't hear about that all the time you might hear about one or two but not seven so i i just think it was a bad year for for injuries just coincidence. I, I'm, I'm gonna say that now. Again, I don't know the particulars. I don't know if there was something different with the ground that they were running on that may have been causing that, or if it was just pure coincidence. But uh, I, I'm gonna hold that it was coincidence right now because it's not something that you really hear of, not in that many numbers ever at Churchill Downs. Yeah, and uh, if you like something that's lighthearted but also a feel-good kind of movie, the sports-related. Uh, I recommend Champions with Woody Harrelson. All right. That's good. All right, guys, thanks for your time. I know my time is way, way up as always. So uh, have a safe afternoon and evening. So until tomorrow, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is retired War Eagle, Steve, joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, I was just scouring the last few years of Arkansas guys because I didn't want to credit someone to Mike Anderson or to, to Eric Musselman that played for Mike Anderson. Uh, the main players to go pro out of Arkansas the last couple of years, Jalen Williams, who had a nice rookie season with Oklahoma City Thunder. There was two Jalen Williams uh, in OKC, one from Santa Clara, one from Arkansas. But Arkansas' Jalen Williams did play a good bit there. There's also Moses Moody a couple of years ago. He's playing for the Golden State Warriors in their rotation. And then Isaiah Joe plays a little bit. I forget which team he's on, but I've seen him. He's been an, an excellent NBA three-point shooter. So those are the main guys the last couple of years. They will have a couple more guys drafted this year. Uh, Nick Smith will be one of them, uh, possibly Ricky Council, possibly Anthony Black. So – uh, they're they're starting to get that pipeline Auburn a little ahead of them in that regard, but uh, they have sent a, a few pros here uh, recently. And then Arkansas again, basketball has has some scattered throughout time there. They they don't have, uh, or they at least had a, a few, depending on the the decade. Let's uh, go. We got a few minutes left here in the second hour of the show. We've yet to do birthdays and sports, so let's get to that real quick. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Ronnie Lott turned 64 today, former NFL defensive back, selected eighth overall in the 1981 NFL Draft by the San Francisco 49ers out of Southern Cal. Oh, Trojans. Also played for the Los Angeles Raiders and New York Jets. Four-time Super Bowl champion, eight-time first-team All-Pro, ten-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL interceptions leader, 1982 NFL forced fumbles co-leader, member of the 1980s All-Decade Team and 1990s All-Decade Team, 75th Anniversary All-Time Team, and 100th Anniversary All-Time Team. He was a member or he's a member of the 49ers Hall of Fame, has his jersey number 42, retired by the 49ers at USC. Lott was 1978 National Champion and 1980 Consensus All-American. Ronnie Lott turned 64 today. 
Kimba Walker turns 33. Current free agent point guard selected ninth overall in the 2011 NBA draft by the Charlotte Bobcats out of UConn. Go Huskies. Four-time NBA All-Star, 2019 All-NBA third-teamer at UConn. Walker was 2011 NCAA champion, 2011 NCAA Final Four most outstanding player, 2011 consensus first-team All-American and All-Big East, 2010 third-team All-Big East, and 2011 Big East tournament MVP at a very memorable uh, Big East tournament that year. Cardiac Kimba. Kimba Walker turns 33 today. Went to Rice High School in Harlem, New York. Go Raiders. Okay. All right. The Rice Raiders. There you go. R and R. There you go. Adrian Gonzalez turns 41. Former MLB first baseman. Played for the Texas Rangers, San Diego Padres, Boston Red Sox, Los Angeles Dodgers, and New York Mets. Five-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove Award winner, two-time Silver Slugger, and 2014 MLB RBI leader. Adrian Gonzalez turns 41 today. And Quentin Grimes turns 23, current shooting guard for the New York Knicks. Selected 25th overall in the 2021 NBA draft by the Los Angeles Clippers out of Houston. Go Cougars! But was traded to the Knicks on draft night. At Houston, Grimes was 2021 third-team All-American, 2021 AAC Co-Player of the Year, 2021 first-team All-AAC, and 2021 AAC Tournament MVP. Quentin Grimes turns 23 today. Of course, the Knicks currently in the playoffs right now as well. And those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Ronnie Lott, 64. Kemba Walker, 33. Adrian Gonzalez, 41. Quentin Grimes, 23. Quentin Grimes from Woodlands College Park High School in the Woodlands area of Montgomery County, Texas. Go Cavaliers. Go Cavs. All right. You're doing the extra research there. Brooks has not been doing high schools. I know. I figured. That's what I said last week. Is like we got to get the high school love. So, <laughs> everybody, most. Folks, I was, I'm doing my best to come up with something to say to that. I've got nothing. <laughs> I, the thing is, like most most folks, like no. Okay, so I, to me, it's kind of like when the when the dudes on uh, uh, Monday night foot or is it Monday night football or Sunday night football where they they're like you know uh, they read their name and where they're from and most a oh, lot yeah. of them read off their high school or their elementary school or something. I was like. That's kind of cool. I mean, give a shout I out Greg, to. I think Greg Hardy said Hogwarts one time. That well, makes me laugh. Uh, some of them have gotten a little silly <laughs> with it, but uh, hey, why not? Why not? Why not give them? A, why not give a little shout out to the high schools out there? Yeah, no, that's impressive research for sure. So, Thank you, com- Wikipedia. <laughs> a couple minutes left here in the hour, and I want to bring up some uh, slightly breaking news here uh, via Brandon Marcello. So this uh, this baseball betting thing. Oh boy, is getting yeah. worse. Uh-oh. Oh, is it? Uh, a statement from Iowa State on gambling allegations right, with right. student-athletes. Iowa State University and its Department of Intercollegiate Athletics is aware of online sports wagering allegations involving approximately 15 of our active student-athletes from the sports of football, wrestling, and track and field in violation of NCAA rules. The university has notified the NCAA and will take the appropriate actions resolve these issues so alabama baseball iowa baseball now iowa state football wrestling and track and field are now involved in sports gambling investigations uh this is not the kind of thing you want to see get more traction but those in that case i can't speak for iowa baseball that's a a release from iowa state says the student athletes are involved and one of the sports involved is football that is a slippery slope I do not want to go down, my friends. <laughs> yeah, gambling, uh, there's there's a lot of money to be made in gambling. Yes, I think, there is. I think gambling is a, 
a good thing for economy overall. Uh, I think it should be legal in Alabama. You start getting players involved, bad things tend to happen. Yes. This is a this is a massive issue, and uh, there's a lot of it's stories. It's making Tom cramp and everything. Yeah, yeah. Tom is Tom is going through it right I, now. I'll, I'll give like, you some room like here. All of a sudden, like my uh my, yeah, my right like groin is like just completely Charlie Horson <laughs> right now. Like I have I'm literally standing up in the studio right now on one leg. I can't straighten my right leg out at the moment. No, he can't. I, I need yeah. some. I need some pickle juice. <laughs> I, I need pickle juice. At this the is moment. hit. This is hit Tom where it hurts the most. I used to cramp all the time, and you know, knock on wood, I haven't yeah. done it in a, in a couple of years. But I, I mean, that just hit all of a sudden. I it wasn't like I was doing anything weird over here with my legs. Like all of a sudden, my right groin just decided to completely charge. I, I kind of saw your reaction. We, I was in the middle of starting my spiel on betting, and all of a yeah. sudden, you just start grabbing at your inner leg. I'm going, Tom. <laughs> what? What are you doing? I figured it was I'm cramps. Ta- tapping out. I'm tapping out. I need. I need. Uh. <laughs> I figured it was cramps, or you just learned the most alarming news that you've yeah. ever learned. Uh, one, of, one of the two. Uh, or, or I was doing a poop dance over here. It was not a poop dance. It's uh, yeah. Good old Charlie horse. Yeah, that feels great. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Do you want to bet on how long this is going to last? Uh, mm-hmm. Oh. Well, he's, he's participating. He can't I, bet I, on it. That's the part I, of the problem. I mean, as soon, as soon as we hit a break and I, I'll walk out and I'll start kind of walking and stretching it. Right now, I'm still participating and just grinding through the pain. Well, I've got great news for you. The break is the music's going to play in about five seconds. So you're, you're going to be good to go here. And we might have a little bit more on this in hour number three uh, because this is a developing interesting story we talked a little bit about the alabama baseball stuff last week again betting and sports when you're participating not good not good at all so we'll have a little more on that in hour number three also talk transfer portal with auburn football we've yet to kind of get into that we talked a little bit about basketball we'll talk a little football coming up in hour number three and of course the best and worst from this past weekend stay tuned more sports call after this Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here. Man, it's been a full Monday show. Yeah. Breaking news. My cramps have gone away, at least for now. Excellent. Did you find the pickle juice? We just naturally... No, just walked it off. See, were you sitting when that happened? Yeah. So see, at any moment, it could happen again. It, Not it, to... <laughs> Well, but no, that's typically be a like, or a bad name. Like, in case you felt like relaxing. Yeah, one, one, that, but yeah, typically once you start cramping, they kind of want to keep coming back. But right. Knock on wood. Right now, 
I'm feeling okay. Well, we just knocked on some wood for you, there you and go. There uh, you go. hopefully. <laughs> You're not have to stand up in pain yeah. while Brant's discussing serious betting. Well, what was weird is like I turned <laughs> towards Brant. Uh, so Brant sit for those. Obviously, you can't see since this is radio. <laughs> Brant is sitting to my left. I turned and faced Brant, and my right leg just shot straight out. And I was trying not to kick Brant because we're kind of close. <laughs> yeah, I was trying not yeah. to kick him. It was very distracting, yeah, if you can believe it. Like, like all of a sudden, my right leg just like extended, just just shot out, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I am. And Tom's like, like we're, we're sitting. Charlie yeah, for right those now. that can't see, we're sitting on a desk area. Yeah. Essentially, it's like a big desk, and Ryan is sitting behind it, and we're all on this side of it, but it still acts, acts as a desk for myself and Tom. So Tom. Tom's leg shooting straight out what's in it into like a bunch of wires and and mechanical well, pieces yeah for, and and wood and everything else so yeah, yeah I couldn't straighten it so I had to turn to my left to give myself and my leg just straightened out just like involuntarily right just straightened out and I which was like, led to oh, me like Lord. scooting my chair to the left and trying to keep my head in the same place so I could yep. talk into the microphone <laughs> and so I'm I'm at a forty five degree the angle trying changed. to do radio yeah. No, because I mean uh, the it's weird guys. How the body works like that. Uh-huh. Like, like I had no control of my leg. Like it literally just straightened out on its own. I was like, I couldn't stop it from not doing that. The guys do sit within an arm's length of each other too. For those, yes. I mean, obviously no one can see. So I mean, it is. It's not jammed in here, but it is close enough proximity. Yeah. So yeah. I, I reach over and thump Brant's here from time to time. He does. Does not, he? Not really. No. Uh, I was about to say, I'm <laughs> no, looking I was at play you two the whole time. I'm just saying, that's how close we are sitting. But he could if yeah. he wanted to. Absolutely. Um, so, we, when that was occurring, we were talking some sports betting of potential participants in these events because now the latest is Iowa State's players are allegedly involved in football, wrestling, and track and field. There's something going on with Iowa baseball, too. Though they're involved, of course, this on the heels of the stuff last weekend or last week with Alabama baseball and head coach Brad Bohannon, who was dismissed. Uh, this, uh, in fact, if you want to go more on the heels of on the heels, a uh, week before that was when the NFL players got suspended uh, for being oh, yeah. involved in some stuff. So this is cropping up a lot more, and uh, this is going to be ner- <laughs> nervous for everyone because, again, that you. You just cannot have outcomes influenced in, in these these things that are not supposed to be fixed. Of course, you know, social media cries wolf about referees and, and all the time fixing stuff. And by the way, that happened in the NBA for real about 20 or 25 years ago with Tim Donahue or Donahue. But uh, that that would be serious stuff. Again, we got to wait for more information. But you hope this thing gets contained. You hope that this is not a a bigger and bigger situation where – you start to dig because here's the thing: something crops up. It's like with the NCAA. You do something wrong, and and you and you you get on someone's radar, then they start looking closer. And so, there are things that obviously raised questions last week in Ohio when it came to the Alabama LSU betting activity. But now, if you start to have NCAA investigations with programs, they're going to start digging instead of just seeing if anything crops the surface. They're going to start digging. And what they they might find more things, and you hope that you don't, because then you start to question a lot of different things, and you don't want to, you know, it was one thing with baseball, you start to question football, the most serious of, of revenue generators across the country. That's again a, a whole new ball game too, so that's can potentially very serious. Um, we will update you if any more comes to fruition there with with any more investigations if it's proven that some of these Iowa State players 
dead bet on their own games or games. That, again, it's not even your own games. That's not the full scope of everything. It's if you bet on any of this stuff because you might know people that could influence the outcome. Those are not as as near to near to home situations as obviously you being the participant. But that's why the NFL has cracked down on other guys that bet on other other games in the league. Because again, it, this ain't 1973. You know everybody. You know everybody that's participating here. That's kind of why rivalries to some extent have gone away at certain levels because they grew up knowing each other. You know, so, some of that can get built into some of that can get built into oh I've known you for a long time so maybe I want to beat you you're like a brother to me I want to beat you but it's not the true vitriol of oh I've read about you in the newspaper I'm going to show the newspaper who to talk about or that sort of thing and so I say all that because again you might say well how does player X on this team that doesn't even play in the same conference as this team why does that matter well, because they might have gone to the same high school as one of those guys. They might have gone – they might know have a, a personal connection or friendship with, with somebody, and you start getting those people involved. They, there's no telling what they'll do behind the scenes or, or under the table. And, that again, that slope is as slippery as it gets in athletics. And so, hopefully, uh, the moral of the story is with this new news of Iowa and Iowa State being involved, two programs in the same state – you hope there's not more to it than that. You hope this is not going on in other states and in other sports and, and all that. Uh, it could be a potential situation. Don't know if you guys have any more to add on that, but uh, that would be a, a very disappointing situation if it continues to grow. It's already disappointing enough for those involved uh, that had no, in, uh, no, had no knowledge of the situation, such as with Alabama's baseball players last week. But, uh, man, I, I – uh, I do not that, – that of all the headlines when it pertains to actual state of play in sports, not not off the field, you know, criminal misconduct stuff, of, of all the things that can happen kind of more involved with, with the play itself, this is the most dangerous because this can influence the integrity of these sports or these outcomes. So I'm not trying to scream that this is what's going on here because it's still very few instances, only a couple. It's one team in football. It's one team – uh, in wrestling, it's two teams in baseball. But uh, just again, please do not grow. I do not want to have to <laughs> talk about a new allegation every day of the week. And of course, last week a lot of shows about Alabama stuff. It's always funny to me whenever betting becomes a, a problem, how big a story it is. And I don't mean funny; I mean more like interesting to yeah. me because, like you mentioned, Tim Donahue, the the NBA official who was point shaving. Um, the the Black Sox from forever ago, um, crap. Who uh, the baseball guy? Pete Rose. Yeah. Pete Rose uh, is not in the Hall of Fame because he bet on his team to win. Um, it just a whole it's something that our our co-host Brooks Childress is not a fan of, but um, the the fact that Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame. But every time something some scandal comes out because of this, it, it's always such a big deal, and it's so fascinating to watch the public perception behind it. And I, I'm with you. I hope that it is. It doesn't go any further than this. It was, you know, 30, 40 people, and it stops there. Let's change up a little bit before we go to our next commercial break. Let's talk a little Auburn football. Let's talk a little portal. Of course, last week the big news towards the end of the week: Peyton Thorne coming on board. I believe Brant and I had the opportunity to speak on that. 
during the show at the end of last week. Also, Jalen McCloyd earlier in the week out of App State. Uh, also this weekend, though, another portal commit wide receiver this time, Caleb Burton the third at Ohio State. Did not really play for the Buckeyes last year. Was a top 150 recruit. Pretty good four-star player that went to Ohio State. Obviously, they have recruited the wide receiver position just about as well as anybody over the last several years, so you do take some credence in that. Uh, and Auburn interested in some more wide receivers in the portal So of uh, this last week or so. Uh, how big of strides are Auburn making right now? Just what uh, what interests you about uh, the moves they're making? I've said this a couple of times um, before the Peyton Thorne commitment. I thought Auburn's ceiling was seven and five, uh, and their floor was five and seven. I thought they were going to land somewhere within that range. Obviously, meet in the middle at six and six. If you get to that point, and blah blah, whatever happens in the bowl game happens. Um, I think now you've reached. With, with the additions you've made, you've made a clear improvement at quarterback. A guy who was the starter of a team that went 10-2 and two, uh, in the Big Ten. That's impressive. Peyton Thorne has impressive on his resume. Uh, and really, you look at it, he leaned heavily on, his, on that running game. I think Auburn expects to lean heavily on its running game. It, it figures to have, if this, if this offensive line can come together, it, its plan is for the strength to be in the running game. Um, and then we've heard questions about the wide receiver room. Well, you add a wide receiver, a guy who is not proven, but is obviously a very talented guy, uh, even if he didn't play much at Ohio State, being a top 150 recruit. So now I think the expectation has gone from you better have a winning season to I think I, the ceiling was 7-5. and five. I think now the expectation is 8-4. and four. I think you add a win and you go, if you finish below this, you've disappointed. And... I, I, yeah, I think that's what it does. I think the expectations are higher, but now I think a winning season is now much more manageable because you've filled out, I think, your most important position on offense. you filled your biggest need uh, by, by getting a quarterback in here who is a little more proven than what you have. Uh, so I'm curious to see what may or may not happen here soon. Uh, Jake Thornton, Auburn's offensive line coach, just five minutes ago randomly on Twitter posted – WDE obviously War Damn Eagle and some Eagle emojis and then portal emojis. I don't know. Does that mean that Auburn's about to land somebody? Jeffrey Lee says this gonna be good. All right. Well, I I mean I don't know. I'll take their word for it. I, I we'll I, talk about it when we know an A. Yeah, like I said, Jake the the offensive line coach just randomly just five minutes ago right. just posted War Damn Eagle with the emojis and it's like, uh oh, here we go. What's happening? That usually yeah. is followed by a, a, a commitment. public commitment. Right. That's why I'm wondering who that might be. And we'll see if we get this off in time. But uh, again, Tom, uh, along with the expectations, Brant talking about uh, how it moves the needle a little bit, at least for Auburn. Uh, how, what 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 does the mo- needle move like for you? Uh, the overall? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the expectation for you. Does this change uh, it at all? Does it change it significantly? Yeah. I, you know, I think the big, the biggest change is at quarterback. It is, that's where it moved the needle. And I, I even said that uh, it was Matt that was asking the question. I, I think without a portal quarterback in, if you, if you had to go with either Ashford or Gurner, uh, I think you're looking at five, six wins, I think. You might be able to sneak a seventh in there, but that's where I'm kind of looking at there. Now you bring a guy in like Peyton Thorne, you add a Burton at wide receiver. You may be adding some more wide receivers to be seen yet. That still may happen. Um, 
that to me pushes that needle more towards that eight win team, potentially nine. I still think ten's stretching it a little bit, but I think but that's that's where I think and mainly with Peyton Thorne, is I think that that moves you up into that higher caliber there. Uh Yes, you've added you added a, uh, the kid from Kent State on the defensive side of things, but I was not so much worried about that. Yeah, there were questions. There were some questions. Defensive line, linebacker. We know the secondary is supposed to. Are you talking about really how, talking about McCloyd from Appalachian State? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah I said Kent State, State yeah. App yeah. State. Um, yeah, I was not so much concerned about the defense, even though there were some concerns there. I had grave, grave, capital G grave concerns about offense. Not knowing quarterback situation, the wide receiver situation was sounded like just complete hot garbage through spring. Um, running backs we knew were going to be fine, but mainly like quarterback, wide receiver, uh, offensive line a concern, but they've been adding some pieces there, and you started feeling a little more comfortable there. But you just had no comfort level at quarterback or wide receiver. You have fixed the quarterback spot, at least you think in the transfer portal with Peyton Thorne, and I think that moved the needle. Now you're starting to add some pieces to that wide receiver room that I think are vitally important. Uh, you've added one, and it sounds like maybe a couple more potentially. Uh, that moves the needle for me. Um, like I said, thinking five, six wins to eight win, maybe nine. If something really special happens, you might squeeze ten in. But uh, – I think just getting that quarterback in there with that potential, if he lives up to the potential, obviously anything can happen. But I, I think that that just gives you that comfort level at that position alone that you feel like you might be able to win some of these games. Uh, and, and then, of course, the other thing, I, I mentioned this, somebody that helps out with the season, you have Cal on the schedule instead of Penn State. That that should be a win. Cal's not good. Now, granted, you got to go out there, but um, – if there was any question whether Auburn could go out there and win that or not, I, I think adding that quarterback kind of maybe solidifies that even a little bit more. Uh, I, so that, yeah, my, my needle definitely pushed more up with the addition of, of Thorne. Uh, the wide receivers, that's kind of cherry on top, and I'm hoping they're going to add some more. Uh, I'd love to get Keon Coleman. If, that, if I know Auburn's after him, uh, Michigan State's top wide receiver from last year. Uh, he obviously knows the quarterback pretty well. Uh, that was 6'4", 215-pound wide receiver that led them in receiving yards. If you can get him here along with Peyton Thorne, goodness. And then you add Burton and maybe the kid from Colorado that might potentially be coming. All of a sudden, your wide receiver room is looking pretty sporty when it was looking down. And, and now you got a quarterback that's pretty good. And you already know your running backs are good. Start thinking a little bit different about this offense. Yeah, a name to watch, uh, given that it was uh, Jake Thornton who made that tweet. Jaden Muskrat seems to be the only offensive lineman that they're recruiting in the portal right now. Our good buddy Austin Scott, uh, kind enough to remind us of that. Uh, it was. It seemed to be coming down to Auburn and Arkansas, and nobody really knew which way it was going to go, given that Auburn's offensive line coach just tweeted out something pretty good. That I'd keep an eye out for Jaden Muskrat. Sure. Seems like from, the, By the way, from Tulsa. And remember, that's where Philip Montgomery was last year. Seems like the offensive line coach would tweet about someone offensive line offensive related. Line, yeah. uh, Correct. Uh, so, pretty uh, we fair, need to, we fair need assumption to, we there. We need to text uh, Trevon Reed and say, are we done yet? <laughs> and he's going to say, nope. Nope. Still work, working on a lot of other things. We're going to take our next time out of the show. 
We'll come back and we'll do best and worst of the weekend on this Monday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here. Starting to get towards wrapping things up on this Monday. A lot of different things to talk about. Even in even in the quieter periods of time. Well, you go through a whole weekend in the sports world, there'll be plenty of things to talk about the following Monday. Uh, but with uh, just a few minutes left, starting, uh, starting to wind down the show, let's get to the best and worst of the weekend. Now, time for the best and worst No, no, no! of the weekend. All right, let's start best today. Uh, Brant, Tom, either one of you want to lead us off? I, I guess it's got to be the batted ball sports. Um, the, the way that uh, softball, they locked up a four seed and then later got a little bit lucky and nailed down a three. Um, when they were projected to finish ninth, I talked about it at the top of the show. Maddie Penta, another Sunday start where she was just absolutely fantastic and a really great showing from Auburn softball in this weekend series against Mississippi State. Tom, your best. Oh man, I just thought that was was going to be. I kind I kind of stole the obvious one. Yeah, I think. yeah. Uh, you know, I'll go best just uh, being out of town and uh, going up to Boaz and hanging out and eating at Big Mike's on the shores of Lake Gunnersville and hanging out with uh, Michelle's uh, family and extended family, just kind of getting out of town, new scenery, just enjoying my time away. Absolutely. That was nice. Sound like a good weekend. Yeah. There's a Big Mike's up there too. There's a – so uh, up there at Lake, on, uh, in Gunnersville, on Lake Gunnersville, there's a – it's called like Harbor or something. It's right on the shore. It's a – uh, boat har- or boat ramp and like all these stores and restaurants and a bar and everything and there's a big Mike steakhouse there. Nice. You can sit out like right on the water on the edge of the water and eat dinner. Pretty cool. I'll say my best was also uh, being out of town, avoiding all the. I'm just kidding. Not <laughs> not, uh, not that part of it, but uh, going to see the family again. Uh, free th- free food throughout the weekend. Always great. Uh, spending time with the parents and also got to see a buddy of mine I hadn't seen in a few months so. Uh, enjoyed being at home and just had a lot of sports to keep up with throughout the throughout the weekend, professionally and collegiately, and uh, certainly enjoyed all of that. All right, worst of the weekends now. My worst is going to return to the realm of soccer. I know I've talked about this a couple of times. Atlanta United played Inter-Miami this past week. Um, a little backstory: Joseph Martinez is the name of the person we're going to focus on here. He was he came to Atlanta in 2017, I think it was his, it was the club's second year of existence. Um, and in 2018, he scored I think the most goals ever been scored in a single season. He is MLS's all-time goals leader, uh, all-time hat trick leader. Was a legend in Atlanta. Won them uh, helped win an MLS Cup. 
uh, was league MVP at least once. Golden Boot winner means he scored the most goals in the season. Um, anyway, he tore, he ruptured his Achilles uh, a couple of years ago. Came back to Atlanta was just never quite the same. This past off season, he got released by the team. Ended up signing with Inter Miami uh, because you brought in Atlanta brought in a new club president. They were trying to turn over a new leaf. We're trying to transform into a new era of Atlanta United, which is necessary. Uh, and part of that was letting go of Joseph Martinez, this this guy that every fan of the team absolutely loved. Well, he goes and signs with Inter Miami. They expect him to be a starter. He starts their first couple of games. He doesn't score. He goes to the bench. He comes on as a sub a couple of times. He doesn't score. So he hasn't scored a goal all season. He then proceeded to score twice against Atlanta United, coming on in the 73rd minute. Mm. So after not scoring at all, he's been he's been bad for Atlanta the past year or two. He goes to Inter Miami, is bad there. And just decides to score a brace against Atlanta, his former team. Uh, it's just sad all the way around. Also, Atlanta United started the season so well, and now I think <laughs> I don't know. They haven't they haven't won in a long time. They uh, and they've they've lost to teams you shouldn't lose to, and they've just been rather poor in the <laughs> past couple of games. So. Uh, long what, 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 it is a very long season, and what started out as a promising year is just uh, not not quite as promising as it was. So, worst of the weekend, Joseph Martinez. Tom, yep. Uh, my worst of the weekend. Uh, what the uh, what's that LSU Twitter? It's Cry, crying belly, crying belly, crying belly. Yeah, which is but, Brian Kelly thought, with right, the first two letters. Right, crying belly. Uh, just the crap that he stirred up. Uh, at the Auburn LSU game, accusing Auburn fans of something that obviously did not happen. Uh, there's, there's, well, hey, there's no place in making racial slurs if if that were to happen. Obviously, there's no place in that. But there's no place in making accusations about that something severe. Yeah. yeah. If that was not happening, uh, you you really tarnish what was a great weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, it was an exciting atmosphere uh, there at Plainsman Park. And, I mean, there, there was a lot of back and forth. But, I mean, there, that shouldn't happen. There's no place for that. Don't be accusing folks of that. And then you just start accusing the entire Auburn fan base of being the worst fans ever and they mistreat. And it's like, listen, bud, I was in the LSU game in Baton Rouge where I saw some of the worst of the worst that you could possibly imagine uh, to the point that I wrote a letter to the chancellor of LSU talking about my experience in Baton Rouge, uh, and it was not good. So for this guy to like turn around, and start accusing Auburn fans of just some of the most egregious stuff you could imagine, and I, you know, I'm glad Kevin Ives was able to clear some of that up. But I, you know, sorry, dude. I I have some very strong four letter words I could say to you right now if I had a chance, hmm. but I'll just leave it as right. my worst of the weekend. My worst of the weekend is kind of along those lines, hitting a little closer to home, uh, with our audience at least. Uh, so the former host of this show is J.J. Jackson. You might know that. Uh, Who? He's, he's also... Uh, oh, I heard he's from Asheville. Right. He's the guy from Asheville. Yeah. Uh, he's also my best friend in this world. And uh, he got the great opportunity this weekend to call that Sunday game oh. on SEC Network Plus between Auburn and LSU. And if you know J.J., and you know him from listening to this show, he's always going to put a positive spin on a lot of things, but he's going to be fair. And he, when he's calling games like that, he is not going to go over-the-top bias or anything like that, make sure that they get graphics of both teams in there, this, that, and the other thing. Well, on Twitter, there's some LSU people that uh, did not like the way he called the game. Um, 
we've ribbed him about his voice before. It's right. different for us because we're friends. We know him personally. But people, again, ribbing him for the way he sounds, thinking that he didn't saying things like he didn't do a good job, that Auburn can do better, all these really mean and hateful things um, from a bunch of people that respectively all but three of them have uh, under 100 followers on Twitter, sure. which are the type of people that go to try and start the chaos, say hateful things behind the screen. And I really hate when things like that happen uh, because there is a lot of hate out there and social media enables a lot of it because you don't have to be responsible for the things that you say. And my worst of the weekend is just the continual hide-behind-a-screen keyboard warriors that, um, you know, just, again, to people they don't even know, say the meanest, most hateful things, uh, when in reality what they say um, does not really matter because at the end of the day, the SEC Network doesn't give a damn what those people are saying on no, Twitter. No. JJ's going to continue to be employed. He's going to continue to do a great job. Um, when he gets those opportunities on TV for volleyball, for baseball, for softball. So, again, uh, just my worst is just how people act sometimes on social media. Uh, I know that we're, we all have less than desirable thoughts from time to time, uh, but saying, saying hateful stuff like that does not accomplish anything uh. necessary and meaningful and uh, just really, really hate when people yeah. act like that. Well, and, and, you know, and the thing is because we know him, if these people are saying these bad things about JJ. If they were to meet the dude, they would be like, this is like one of the nicest dudes that you yes. could ever possibly meet in your life. I can't believe I was saying bad stuff about him. Yes. I mean, that's legit how good of a guy JJ is that you just, you meet him, you can't say anything bad about him. So for, for those people to be throwing shade like that, you know, I have some four letter words for them that I can't <laughs> use on there, but we'll just leave it as your worst of the weekend. Yeah, no, uh, JJ, <laughs> like Tom said, one of the nicest dudes of all time. And, and like you said, like his voice does sound funny sometimes, and he knows that, and we rib him about it. But again, sure. we're, we're friends with the guy, and it's okay to make jabs. That's going to happen. But the it, the way, when when you brought it up earlier, you, you talked about it because you've been, you were pretty passionate about it. It's been on it. my mind, yeah. Yeah, it's been on your mind. Like, yeah, it's, I, I, I went and looked it up. You know, I went and looked at some of the things people were saying. And, you know, I think one of the best things about Twitter is that you can be anonymous. You can kind of hide your public face and you can be whoever you want to be. And I think that allows some a lot of people to be super creative and to come to the forefront and not worry about it impacting their personal lives. They can get in the spotlight and get their opinions out there without it worrying how it affects them as a person. I think one of the worst things about Twitter is that it's anonymous and you can say whatever <laughs> you want hiding behind a screen and, and you know just saying absolutely hateful and vitriolic things. Uh, to people that you've never met and will never be able to find you. And if they're mature enough, which JJ is, will never say anything back to you. Uh, because, you, like you said, your opinion doesn't matter. Um, it, but, but, again, again, the best and worst thing about Twitter is that everybody has a platform. Yeah. And uh, Just the, at the, the, end the way day, that some people choose to use it is shameful. Right. At the end of the day, you know, obviously good intentions have unfortunate consequences i right. think it's great that you can connect with people across the globe that you've never met but unfortunately you know again the human condition does not allow for everything to go exactly how you want it and people take things and what i've i i'm sure 
if you go back like five years, I probably said like 30 horrible things about referees. Maybe not <laughs> maybe not by one particular name or anything like that, but just yeah. in general, like, the refs suck or they're cheating yeah. my team or blah, blah, blah. But again, you come to a point where you realize that those thoughts and that stuff is not worth putting it on a public platform. And a lot of these people that if you met them, and again, we all can vouch for JJ's like, I promise you whatever you think that JJ said to, you know, if he disrespected your team or something like that, uh, that that is not how he he rolls. And just because you're listening to you're not your LSU boys doesn't mean that there's not other talented broadcasters out there. And, uh, yeah, it's just, again, it, it really bothered me. Uh, fortunately, it bothers me more than it even bothers JJ because he lets things uh, glide off of him, and I need to do a better job of that too. Uh, but um, yeah, I just I hate the ability for people just to uh, just hate people for reasons such as I don't like commentators or uh, you know uh, you talk too much about Auburn. Well, you're down twelve two. Yeah, how about you that's, get in the game? That's the thing. LSU's and, the number one team in the country, and Auburn took two out of three. Do you want them to say good things about LSU? Right. Yeah, you hype up Auburn in that situation, especially in the Sunday game. So, anyway, that was my worst of the weekend. Definitely on my heart. Uh, so, hate that, but unfortunately, uh, you know, the the hate's going to continue. I mean, it's just it's going to be that way. So, uh, that uh, will do it for best and worst of the weekend. We're going to take one quick timeout. Be back to wrap up the show with a nightly TV guy. This is the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. What? My name is. My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. Final couple minutes here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy. Had a fun show today. Talked a little bit about everything. Talked some football, basketball portal. Talked baseball success. Didn't really get in softball today. We told some about it. A little bit, but I'm just saying not a full segment or anything like that. Uh, There's still professional sports. uh, sports. They exist. They'll they'll come up later in the week. The Braves took care of the Orioles. Braves in some very very close games. Incredible series. Yeah, and that that was. I don't know if the Orioles were that good. Yeah, hot start. Very cartoon birds doing great. Absolutely. They're what twenty two and twelve right now. Yeah, I think they have the same record as the Braves. Yeah, they would lead almost every other division if the Tampa Tampa Bay Rays did not exist. Uh, But uh, yeah, no, that was actually a 
marquee matchup to start the year, and the Braves came out on top there. Final few seconds of the show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. No music today because we're almost out of time, but Sports Call's <laughs> nightly TV guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Today, again, NBA playoffs continuing. New York Knicks, Miami Heat at 630 on TNT, followed by the Lakers and the Warriors, 9 o'clock. NHL draft lottery at 7 o'clock on ESPN. I guess that's the NBA equivalent, so... Uh, Good luck to everyone that needs some luck tonight. Also, the Stanley Cup playoffs continue with Las Vegas and Edmonton, 7.30 on ESPN. And a couple movie picks for you. Spider-Man 3 on Freeform at 7 o'clock. And The Emperor's New Groove at 7.30 on Disney. A little Banger. Disney. I don't know when the last time we put Disney on. I love The Emperor's New Groove. What is David Spade. Shout out to David Spade. And that will do it for Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brant, thank you for being here today. We'll see you later in the week. Thank you for having me. Tom, thank you for being here today. We'll see you tomorrow. I will be here. And, of course, we appreciate Kevin Ives for joining us today, and we thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Dontry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.